<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. It started as a scritch. Then everyone got in a fur pile, and pretty soon we were all yiffing. Gary Hoffman. Who is that guy? I love his suit. Shannon Farron. She's just a driven young woman. I don't know where she gets it. Do you guys know what this is? Gary and Shannon. Places, please. The dance is about to begin. Today. Oh my goodness! It's just gonna be the silence. It's just you. It's are just... you are you done? Um, as of about an hour ago, yes. Yeah, everybody's out. I had a wonderful visit with my parents, but yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to to go home and um, and just you know not to like worry about anyone or anything. You know, just to Can sit. Get, you'll never say this. Can I get you anything? Like, do you need, do you yeah. want something to eat, a sandwich? Or I can a just go home and sit and look at the birds <laughs> and have my moments of nature. Uh, I'll have my weighted blanket all to myself. Did Did your guests use your weighted blanket? Yes. Really? Because yes, that's, that's a very personal item. No, it's, I mean, it's it's a unique item. Although if you've been It's like looking, your therapy blanket, though. Yeah, but I like it. I don't need it. I like it. And there's a huge difference. Oh, did somebody need it? Someone needed it, yeah. Okay. Um, Was there trauma going on in the house? Definitely. Well, I mean, not that, not in the house, but it, you know, they were everyone was carrying a little bit of trauma, probably. We're going to get into all of our stories, and, and... My, our stories are minor compared oh to my what gosh. goes on. My Thanksgiving was smooth as silk. I thought there might be some fireworks. It was very smooth. I think the craziest thing that happened was my brother-in-law made a sweet potato dish for Thanksgiving dinner. That was a little too spicy for people. Like that was the in in all of the entire week. That was the craziest thing. We're like, gosh, come on, Jeff, this is crazy. You're gonna kill Dad. Okay, yeah. If a spicy dish was the worst it got, then you won the weekend. But we want to hear your stories of how things didn't go well. You know, it'll be like a therapy sesh. Yeah, and by the way, you don't have to use names. No, you don't have to. You could make up names. Say what city you were in or anything. We want to know what happened over this Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Did you guys talk about politics? Did you have to throw grandma out in the pool to cool her off? Like, what happened that that made this Thanksgiving memorable for you? Did you have to throw grandma in the pool? Well, sometimes she gets a little heated when it comes to politics. You just got a little dark there. (laughs) Took a turn to the dark web. Well, I didn't say, like, push her into the pool in her wheelchair. Just, like, throw her in because she's fully capable of... She just needed to be cooled off a little bit. We'll be taking your calls coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, airing all your grievances. This is good. Early it's Festivus. It's like early Festivus. Early yeah. Festivus. Yes. Amy nailed well, it. Well, Christmas is going to be tomorrow. 
You know what I mean? Wait, what? You got to get it all out of your system because oh. you're going to see these people in a couple weeks. Oh, we have to do a therapy session at some point in the next couple of weeks about why this is a very difficult time of year. There's a lot of pressure on a lot of people. I am not a I am not a fan. What are you talking about? I had a about? discussion with my wife last night about I feel like well, I'm a bad gift giver, I think. Like I'm not I don't I don't I'm not good at deciding what somebody else should have or would like or would want. I always feel like I have to go, well, there was that one time you said you really like the color purple, so right. I bought you Oprah Winfrey's book right. or something. <laughs> and, just anyway, we'll talk about that at the it bottom is pressure uh, at the bottom of the hour. We'll get into this whole thing about Cyber Monday and uh, Black Friday, see how things went in terms of shopping. But uh, Cyber Monday is a huge deal. There's a lot of pressure for today. As well. Oh, my gosh. Also, a story that we haven't told yet is the story of a woman named Heather up at the campfire in, in the Paradise area who had a C-section the day of the fire And she's telling her story about how she thought she only had seconds to live, barely got out of there. The heroic efforts it kept to take to keep her alive is insane. And did you mention she had a giant C-section wide open wound in her belly? Oh, my gosh. It is incredible what happened and how they were able to get her out of that hospital that was being evacuated. All right. International headline, though, is how we're going to start the day. This uh, this march by Central American migrants that have been waiting at the border down near Tijuana just got out of control yesterday. There was a, a group that splintered off what was a peaceful demonstration and tried to storm a tried to storm the border, basically pushing their way through a Mexican police blockade. The Mexican officials say there were as many as 500. The United States officials say there were as many as as many as 1,000. And they got the photo op they've wanted from Go. Uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection did shut down the border crossing in both directions and then, wait for it, fired tear gas to push everybody back from the border fence. And those are the pictures you're going to see all day long of people with their babies in diapers running away from tear gas and that we are gassing people. And by the way, this is and this is very important when you talk about, yes, you're going to see the little girl in diapers just bawling as her mom wearing like a Disney princess shirt is trying to j- drag her away from the tear gas clouds. Look at the pictures. And I mean, look at all of them. Not just the picture of the crying baby, because as horrific and sad as that is, there's a lot of dudes in there. This is not just moms and their infant children making a ridiculously long thousand-mile trek to the border looking for a better life. There's a lot of dudes in there. A lot of dudes between the ages of, say, 15 and 30. Who do you think the agitators were? Exactly. And that's the thing is you go through and you find... The guys who are throwing rocks, you you find the pictures of you're going to you're going to find uh, out. They outnumber women and children 200 to one. Yet that is going to be the picture that yeah. defines the entire story. Yeah. And I, I mean, I understand. And it's a and that, it is a thing. terrible shot and it's a terrible moment in time, but it's not the whole story. That's now, the thing that 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 bothers me. Mexico has said that they will take at least a hundred of the people that they arrested yesterday and simply deport them. You're out. You you lost your opportunity, whatever it was, to try to do this peacefully. So those some of those guys are gone, and they there was a bridge. I guess federal police officers were at a bridge that leads to the San Ysidro border crossing. I, I mean, the most. I'm assuming it's the most. Uh, the busiest border crossing in probably the entire world. 
millions of people and vehicles pass this through San Ysidro every year. And at that point, many of these marchers went by the police. They ran across a dry river bed. The police carrying riot shields formed a new line. The reason they were carrying riot shields also is because they were being hit with rocks, too. Yeah. Listen, uh, Brian Suits made a great point in his uh, in on Twitter yesterday. It said nothing says uh, asylum seeker like throwing rocks at the border patrol. Come on. I mean, you can't you can't have this both ways. There is a bigger discussion. Yes. About what our immigration policy should be, especially when it comes to asylum seekers. Do we need to tweak the rules? Do the rules we have in place? Are they uh, adequate? Whatever. But when you have 500 people literally running at the border, there is no other option. There is no option. You don't just go, oh, you guys are right. We should totally open the gate. And you guys just come in. Hey, I don't care where you go. You guys want to go through Southern California or Arizona or New Mexico or, heck, you could find a place in South Dakota. That's not the way it works. There's no other country in the world that would do that. All right. Well, no one knows the border better than Steve Gregory. We'll check in with him when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, GM making news this morning, going to lay off nearly 15,000 factory and white-collar workers here in North America, put five plants up for closure, going to focus on autonomous and electric vehicles. We'll get into all that coming up in Market Mondays with Rebecca Jarvis at 1 o'clock. Also keeping an eye on this uh, latest Mars lander that's expected to touch down on the planet sometime about noon our time nasa which, says it's gonna be a very tense seven minutes yeah because it's got to come in supersonic and then slow and 12, all the way down and like a 12 degree angle or something well, like a perfect know. 12 degree angle and then if it's at 11 we're screwed just goes well away. we're not really screwed but it might be dramatizing it a bit yeah <laughs> like we're all gonna the fate of the humanity rests <laughs> on a 12-degree angle. Uh, all right. Okay. So we were talking about the chaos at the border over the weekend, and uh, helping us explain what's going on is uh, Steve Gregory. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Super. Uh, so what are, what are things look? We kind of went through what happened yesterday a bit. Uh, have, have things calmed down today? Are we expecting any more unrest? Well, here's the thing. Um you know, uh, sources I've been talking to now, including border agents, they're now preparing for more of these little pockets of incursions. Uh, and the couple sources I spoke with about three hours ago said that these events yesterday were completely planned and calculated on a Sunday because we would all be talking about it on a Monday. And it would stretch for the week. I've been told now there's a roundtable that's going to be planned for tomorrow and that the uh, deputy commissioner for Border Patrol is going to be up in D.C. to do this roundtable tomorrow to find out what's, you know, kind of what to do next or what next steps are. But um, it's hard to say, though. It looks, it looks as though they know exactly kind of how to plan these things and how to do them. This was not a spontaneous event by no stretch. What do you mean? Well, um, sources I've been talking to and the way it was all mapped out and the way it unfolded yesterday was that it started as a peaceful march, and that was the point that they were trying to make. It started as a peaceful march in that sports stadium in Tijuana, and they were marching toward the border. And the idea was they were going to rally. Well, some factions broke off, estimated up to 500 people. The faction broke off, mostly men. There were a few women and children in the group. 
And when they broke off, they were going to rush the border, the, the primary fence. And to give people an overview of what I'm talking about, when the primary fence is a secondary fence, there is 60 miles of border fence from the Pacific Ocean all the way east of San Diego. In the middle of that 60 miles or closer to the ocean, it's 14 additional miles of primary fence. And that's about 100 feet from the secondary fence. So you've got that that whole area in the San Ysidro border is a primary fence. It's sort of a first barrier, if you will. And then the secondary barrier is the more serious one. So the the group ran up on a border agent. And when he when the, the border agent was standing there, they were approaching the agent, throwing rocks and bottles. So they had already planned this out because they had stuff with them. And that's why agents are telling me why it was planned, because they already had sort of, if you will, quote-unquote, weapons in their hands or at least projectiles ready to throw. And so when they started throwing stuff at the border agent, he calls for backup. Backup gets there. The group grows in size, starts to move forward, advancing, according to Border Patrol, an eighth of a mile north of the U.S. boundary. So they were technically into the enforcement zone of the United States, and that's when the Border Patrol pushed back. What is Mexico's role going to be? Is that what's going to be worked out at this roundtable situation? You know, that's a great question, and there's been a lot said about Mexico's role because the, uh, you know, earlier last week, the Trump administration said that they had an agreement with Mexico that they were going to start vetting all of these asylum seekers in Mexico. So U.S. Customs folks were going to be in Tijuana taking care of these, processing these asylum claims, and if they didn't match or vet through the system, they were going to be turned away in Mexico before they would even have a chance to come through the United States. Well, yesterday, Mexico comes out and says, we've made no such agreement, but we have been in talks with the United States. And you remember, there's um, an outgoing presidential administration in Mexico and a new administration coming in. So they're literally right in the throes of a, of a transition. The new, president, the new president starts December 1st. And he seems to be a little more, the new president seems to be a little more um, hard, has more of a hardline stance on immigration than the previous president. And so it's going to be hard to say, but Mexico says it will ramp up security measures to try to prevent things from happening like it did yesterday. You mentioned the the, the place where a lot of these people are uh, being taken care of, I guess, or have found some sort of temporary shelters at that sports stadium. Is that number growing, the number of people who are showing up to that stadium growing? About 250 more showed up yesterday, and Gary, uh, organizers down there say, and law enforcement are saying they're expecting it at its peak to be about 9,000 people. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I just feel like this is, a, for a lot of people, it's sort of a throw up your hands and a simple question of what do we do? Well, therein lies the, the issue. I mean, these folks have been told over and over again how easy it is to get into the United States. They've all been seeing the propaganda, if you will, in Central America. If you recall a few years back when we were covering the same issue, cartels and others were literally placing ads in newspapers and radio ads and going on TV and talking about, get up to the United States, now's the time to go because they're drumming up their trafficking business. And, you know, so these folks down there in Central America think it really is a red carpet situation when they get to the border. Now, there's a lot been made about the fact that, you know, President Trump doesn't want people entering the United States between our ports of entry because he says that they're not allowed to do that, but the Constitution says anyone can step foot onto U.S. soil and claim asylum. You've got all of these things playing at once, all these sides playing at once. And one thing's for certain, 
um, something's going to have to give somewhere. Because Tijuana, the city of Tijuana, both the mayor and the police chief are saying, we're, we're done. We're overwhelmed here, you know. The city already was stretched in for resources, and now they're shelling out, what is it, $30,000 a day, I believe, U.S. dollars in, in aid and comfort to the refugees. So it's going to be hard to say how this is going to map out, but I'll tell you something. It's one hell of a political hot potato. It absolutely is. And, you know, I'm just really tired of the narrative that I'm seeing everywhere this morning. Oh, we're gassing babies. Okay, yeah, we're gassing people. We're making people feel uncomfortable with tear gas. You've been tear gassed. I've been tear gassed. When you've got border agents that are being thrown rocks and bottles, that will do some real damage. What are they supposed to do, not protect themselves? Like, I, I, I just don't understand what the hell you're supposed to do. It's, it's a non-lethal way to control violence in a crowd. It's, well, it's me, policy. <laughs> it's textbook. And the narrative that we're gassing babies is really um, irresponsible you by know, all the media outlets that are running with that. It's funny you bring that up only because that's the first thing out of this uh, border agent's mouth I spoke with a few hours ago. He said the morale, for the most part, the agents feel pretty good today because no one was seriously injured. But he says they're really down in the dumps because, you know, when they turn on the TV, turn on the radio and open up the newspaper, the first thing they see is pictures of women and children being gassed. And they said that that is just ruining morale because he said what you what you didn't see on any of that stuff was that the people throwing the rocks were standing behind the photographers. They were standing behind all the people with the cell phones because they didn't want you to see them throwing the rocks or see them attacking the agents. And he said multiple agents were attacked. Fortunately, none were seriously injured. But he said multiple agents were attacked. And he said, the thing is, we're not going to engage. He said, we are not going to, you know, do something first. We have to react. We're not going to proact in this case. The other thing he said was really upsetting him was the fact that there were reporters down there that were using the phrase, shots fired. And he says, no shot was fired. We launched tear gas and we launched pepper balls, but shots fired implies that there were bullets and rounds actually fired from a gun. Yeah. Well, that's just irresponsible. <clears throat> Steve, we appreciate your work. Take care, friends. Be good. Thanks, man. Steve Gregory there with the latest on what's going on with this uh, this what was a migrant caravan that then splintered off and a couple hundred people tried to make their way across the border, or at least it appears to uh, prompt some sort of headline-generating picture like that one right there. They're showing yeah, that's uh, the picture you're going to see over and over and over it's again. It's a mom it with her two little girls. It does not tell the entire story. It doesn't show. There's no pictures of the rocks and the bottles being thrown at the border agents. That mm. four, at least four agents were hit. And I would well, wonder, seriously though, what are they supposed to do other than that? I would wonder what uh, Steve talked about. You know, speaking with these border patrol agents, I wonder what they would say they saw. Did they see women and children, or did they see? Angry young men launching projectiles at them. All right. We come back. Uh, A little bit about Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff. We'll talk about what's going on with the economy and why today is such a giant day again. I just got some meat sticks on sale. What? You know, uh, like jerky. I call them meat sticks. (laughs) Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Uh, Monday, it is November 26th. For those of you who were wondering, and I don't know who you are, but yes, I did make my way through an entire jar jelly cranberry sauce right there at the table. Oh, you know what? I meant to bring you some this morning. And the thing is, I didn't even intend to. I, they said it in front of me like it's the 
I don't know. It's like Elf on the Shelf for Thanksgiving. Like this is a, this has become a tradition in my yeah. family. Is that I get one full jar of the cranberry jelly sauce, jelly cranberry sauce, and then everyone else gets. I get one, and there's one for the table. And I sat there and started slicing off perfect circles and then chopping and eating. Lo and behold, 40 minutes later, the entire thing is gone. And I realized uh, that when you look at the nutrition information I, on one of I'm, those that's things. That's what I'm looking at right now. I just pulled up the label for that. I, I ingested. I don't know what your label says. How many says. servings are in one of those? The one I saw, there were six servings. Holy Moly, and in, that is a lot of calories and carbs and sugar. And in every serving, in mine, in every serving, there was 24 grams of sugar, and I had the entire Gary. thing. So I had you 100 bouncing off the walls 120 grams of sugar well, in the course of 40 minutes. This says there's 28 grams of carbs per serving. Yeah. That's a That carb. is a lot. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's a lot. Well, I didn't. The thing is, I didn't eat a whole lot on Thursday until then. You didn't need to. That's about 800 calories. But there's something joyous about a glass of good red wine and an entire can of cranberry sauce. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not shaming you. I'm more impressed, if anything, that you can put down that whole can. I'm not can. mad. I'm impressed. Yeah. Who eats a whole Back wheel of stir. cheese? <laughs> All right. Uh, so Cyber Monday is underway. There's an expectation that we're going to see more online sales than any day in history. Do you know why? Because technology. That's because why. Because we're lazy-ass humans. So lazy. How much shopping did you do on Black Friday? None. Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody go out there, intentionally put yourself in a position to hate other human beings for the entire day? People go out on Thanksgiving night these days. That's when they. That's when Black Friday starts. <sighs> I don't get it. Um, Cyber Monday on track to rack up more online sales than any day in history. How much of that is about deals and... Uh, yeah, I guess just online deals. And how much of that is people a first day back from a holiday want to procrastinate and not do work? <laughs> Are you kidding? I was ready to come back. But I think that there's... I yeah, but if you had a job where you're in a cubicle nine true. to five and there's no incentive for how many orders you fill out right. for X amount of widgets, then you do not have a lot of, um, you know, you're, you, you want to procrastinate. It, and this makes it easier. And you feel like you're going to get a head start on your holiday shopping. Sure, you, you feel today. accomplished. Uh, they say the sweet spot will be between 7 o'clock tonight and 10 o'clock tonight. That's when they'll spend, uh, shoppers that is, will spend about $1.6 billion just in those three hours. Uh, and there's a bunch of different places, obviously, that take advantage of that. They'll tell you that they have deals that expire at 9 o'clock or they expire at 9.30. And if you order now, you get a second one free and the free shipping and all this sort of thing. You ordered something already today. Well, uh, I felt like we needed it. Okay. Here's the you story. Have a very... <laughs> Here's the story. I know I'm impulsive. Yes. I have an issue with that and I'm working through it. But. Well, you took Here's... a big step back today. Here's the story. We walked into our office today, and um, it was end times in there. Uh, it did smell, you know, like a like a dumpster that hasn't been dumped. Dumped, yeah. You know, maybe like a New York heat dumpster. Mm. That's what it smelled like in our office this morning. Nick said 
the text message was, somebody left food in our office over the weekend, and we need to burn everything, well, I think to, were his words. To your point about the heat, they turn off the air conditioning in this building Oh, yeah, it gets gamey. gamey. It was the worst a, thing I've ever put in my mouth. Gamey with a capital <laughs> G. So anyway... It was it was not good in there. Uh, we we put in fans. We used a citrus spray. Made it actually a little bit worse. So we relocated our office to the morning show's office, and they have a dartboard in there. And I'm throwing darts, and I'm thinking, why don't we have a dartboard? So I ordered us a dartboard. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. I mean, I don't, I don't know why. It is very similar to how we got a ping pong table. I True. believe Gary said, "I want a ping pong table." About a week into us having yeah. an office, you know, it'd be really funny is if we had like, like a desk, like a table in here, but it was like a ping pong table. Yeah. And the next week, Gary and I walked in, and she was like, "Look, our ping pong table got here." <laughs> well, that's when our show was two hours. Yeah. And we had a lot of time. We had a lot of free time. Um, they are. Uh, I don't know if you drive by a Sears, any one of the ones that are left. But uh, Sears tended to be out, left out in the cold Sears on Black Friday. Was uh, eerie. People said eerie. Uh, you know, seven a.m. It had opened early at six a.m. and they have the big banners up for for Black Friday and all the blockbuster deals, and there was nobody to be found. Just odd. I have never, I have never wanted to go shopping on Black Friday. No. Um, a part of it was because I have covered and you've covered stories of Black Friday when we're working as reporters and you have to go out there the at worst. five in the morning and talk to somebody who's in line to get the latest Walmart holiday bear. And when you're in Seattle and it's 5 a.m. Hmm. in November and it's raining and, you're still and you've got to talk to strangers. I just there's no desire. I understand the deals can be good, but you have to calculate into that. The humanity that you're going to be around <laughs> yes. in order to get that deal. And the math never worked out for me. There no. was never a deal that was good enough for me to go out on a Friday. And- this fall has moved by so quickly that I wasn't ready for Thanksgiving. And I'm certainly not ready to shop for Christmas yet. I'll be ready about December 20th. Hey, Unless the- everyone wants a dartboard. I can make that happen. <laughs> but the good news is you have the all this extra time because uh, Thanksgiving was so early. That is weird. It was it was weirdly it was as early as it can ever be yeah. uh, when it's on the 22nd like that. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to do a little bit later uh, in the 130 hour is actually take 130 segments, take phone calls. And we want to hear your Thanksgiving holiday grievances. This is like early Festivus. It doesn't, by the way, keep it. As anonymous as you like. You can name the criminals. You cannot name the criminals. It doesn't matter to us. You could just generally say, my sister-in-law did this, my uncle did this, whatever it is. But we want to hear your Thanksgiving horror stories. Oh, maybe somebody decided to go through with the uh, romaine lettuce uh, diet idea and serve that at Thanksgiving dinner. I uh, I asked my parents for, like, a grocery list of stuff that they'd like, you know, before they, they got here. And uh, my mom was pretty particular Except she wasn't as particular as she ended up being about things. Like, she wanted the Dannon vanilla Greek yogurt, but not the the fat-free or the low-fat one. I get the Dannon vanilla yogurt, and it says light and fit on it, I guess. And that those are the words that mean—those are bad words, apparently. So, 
had to go get different yogurt, and then she likes a type of brandy, right? Um, and I had a big bottle of brandy, but it was the wrong brand of brandy. So I went to about five different places to get the right brand of brandy. And it's not the finest brand. It's actually probably like the the cheapest sure. brand, you know? But, but she's got a taste. She's a particular taste. Right. So so that was that was fun. We'll do more when we come back. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Amy King has I an just couldn't on. get the right thing. Like, I could not buy one of the right thing. Did anybody die? Nobody died. Then no. you're fine. I, yeah, exactly. I know it's a low bar. Gary and Shannon. NASA is just about an hour away from landing on Mars. The InSight lander. They want it to land on a flat plane. Saying it's going to be a 10-7 minutes. Risky business to descend through the Martian atmosphere and land. Even for us, the only country to pull it off thus far. Being so dramatic about it. Well, it is very dramatic. What about Elon Musk's plan to go to Mars? Well, we've got a lot of Elon Musk news, actually. He also believes that we need to start uh, merging with machines before the machines kill us. Like, we need to start putting... We need to ingratiate ourselves to them. Put machine parts in humans so that we can survive it when the artificial intelligence decides to kill all humans. When is that going to happen? We'll, well, we'll find out. Oh. Elon's prediction coming up in the next hour. Do you remember Alec Baldwin getting arrested? Sure. Alec Baldwin got arrested for punching a guy in the face after... It's like a, a parking spot fight. Right, parking space. Now, he said nothing today as he was arraigned on this misdemeanor attempted assault charge and a charge of harassment. He has denied he punched anybody in the, parking, uh, in the car parking fight back on November 2nd. But they said there was also... Uh, the lawyer said... Video will vindicate him. Okay. So the video will either show that he did or did not punch that clown in the face. Blake had his uh, first Thanksgiving with his girlfriend and her family. Yep. How'd that go? It went really well. Yeah. It was a much smaller Thanksgiving than I'm used to just by nature of the fact that there weren't 30-something people like ours, but it was nice. Did did you embarrass yourself by eating an entire can of cranberry sauce? I didn't do that. Smart. That's no. a very smart move on no. your part. Did they like the cookies you brought? They loved them. Yeah. Was they... mom happy? Did she smile? She was very happy. Yeah. Uh, and her grandpa loved them. And he apparently isn't always like the most social of people. And he was like chatting it up with me and everything. And <gasps> good everyone's job. saying how soft the cookies are and how good they are. Grandpa's been nonverbal for four years until yeah. Blake's cookies. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, was there was there ever a point where you retired to the library with a with a glass of cognac or anything and, and a cigar? And dad laid down some rules. No. How does how is no. dad with you? Great. Do you think he secretly wants you out of his daughter's life? No, no. Okay. Um, I've I've had like a relationship with him longer than I have with her because huh. you're going to explain that, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I've been close with him longer than I have with Keep her. Keep going. Any more explanations? Yeah. This is sounding like well, a as, Dennis birthday cake. As thing. he's my pastor, and he, uh, as he's, oh, my, oh, that's yeah, and he, uh, he runs our Bible study and all that kind of stuff. So I've, I've been in that Bible study for almost two and a half years now, two years, 
So, so you know how sometimes uh, I get on you when you say things, and I say, Blake, that's not Christ-like? Yes. So I said that over the weekend to my mom, I guess, who was Uh-oh. yelling at my dad, and I said, you're not being very Christ-like. Uh-oh. <laughs> and yesterday I hear uh, my she dad— flip over your kitchen table? My dad yell up from the other room at her, Diane, that's not very Christ-like. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, what did I start? That's fantastic. It's all because of Blake dating the pastor's daughter. Uh, now, you had – your parents were in town. Mm-hmm. Um, but did, was it just the – it was just the four of you? You had, no, you had other people, we, right? No, we went to my father-in-law's house, so there right. was 12 of us. So 12 total. Uh, we had my in-laws, my, my wife's parents, my parents, that's six of us, my two kids, uh, two uh, – her brother and – his wife, and then their two kids. There's 14? We had 14 for dinner. Um, and it was good. What did you all talk about at the table? All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Mostly my son's job. Oh, that's good. He was, because he was kind of the celebrity. Like, he'd show up at 2.30 and people, oh, my God, Calvin's here. And then he was the topic of conversation. It's always good to direct the attention on the kids. Because yes. that's not controversial. Otherwise, it's just it's just healthcare talk. It's oh yeah, just oh yeah, Medicare donut hole totally. prescription prices. Absolutely, doctor bent me over. All of that <laughs> stuff, and that and that became an odd. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. till that time of my life. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, you can. Well, good. Really can. And Nick, yours was peaceful. It was peaceful. Yeah, it was uh, my parents' house. A couple of my siblings came over, and it was a nice time. You had a baby there. There was a baby there, a little Passed baby. Passed the baby around? We didn't. Uh, yeah, the baby did get passed around. Yeah. Mm. Did you wash your hands? Uh, yes. Pre and post? Uh, yes, my hands were clean all weekend. Good. Uh, and then he stabbed himself. Uh, well, I, I he was, was carving, cooking a goose. I, I I carved the goose. I didn't cook the goose. And I did a may, I may say, may I say, I did an excellent job carving the goose. It was after the meal when I was divvying up the leftovers that I stuck myself ah, in my middle finger smart. and bled into the pan. Sense. We all knew that Nick was not going to escape this weekend without an injury. No. We, when, in the one thirty segment, we're going to take all of your grievances. You can air it out. Let it, let it go. I mean, you've had it bottled let up because people have been around you. freak flag yeah. fly. Just, just tell us what happened and how bad it was and, and how happy you are that they're gone. We're here for you. <laughs> When we come back, an update on the the uh, fires. Thank God for that rain that came down over the weekend. But also, why did it have to rain? That's all. Monday, November 26th. Stories we're keeping our eyes on, of course, the uh, events going on at the border. Custom Border Protection Commissioner Kevin McAleenan says there were 69 migrants arrested on the U.S. side of the border trying uh, trying to come in from Tijuana during that confrontation. Now, his number is that there were about 1,000 people that rushed a bunch of the vehicle lanes and went around the border crossing yesterday to try to get into the United States, some of them throwing rocks and bottles at U.S. agents. The uh, the Mexican police had said that there were as many as 500, so a little discrepancy in the number. Either way, you had 
it's, you had 69 people arrested on this side of the border. Mexico said that they have had uh, as many as 90, 90 plus that were arrested on the Mexican side of the border who will be deported right away. It's been more than two weeks after the deadliest fire in state history began in Butte County. It has killed at least 85 people, destroyed an entire town of Paradise, 14,000 homes. It is now finally 100% contained thanks to the light rain in the area. Help firefighters get rid of those hot spots. Most evacuations and road closures do remain in effect, but the rain and the lack of mudslides meant that firefighters were able to go home for the holiday weekend. So that was good news. They're not out of the, out of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Woods. Thank you. The woods. Hate it when I forget cliches. Not out of the woods just yet. Butte County expecting two storms this week, one tomorrow and then a strong one on Thursday. Yeah, I think the uh, the the best news that came out of the rain from uh, last week was the fact that there were no significant mudslides. The the worst news, perhaps, though, is that it was enough rain that it made a mess of certain areas of paradise. And the irony of some of these images that you'll see from over the weekend and today is perfectly clear blue sky and just rampant destruction throughout that entire town where you've got it's a war zone yeah i mean it's 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 beyond what you can imagine in terms of there have been fires here obviously we were dealing with the woolsey fire at the same time they were dealing with a campfire and yes there were a few hundred structures here that burned they're talking about fourteen thousand homes that were burned and to the ground this community uh is scattered now. This very tight community now, they're they're everywhere. They're in Sacramento, they're in Redding, they're in Idaho. The kids, all, all, all the kids are separated, they're out of school. It's just going to be a marathon of putting things back together. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, you mentioned that how far they've gone in terms of finding places to stay, a bunch of people in the Bay Area as well. The 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 movement now, just in terms of schools, my brother-in-law is in town, was in town over the week, and he's a teacher. My sister's a teacher up there. They have had discussions about what do we do, not them specifically, but school districts around there. Do they make an attempt to put together a school at a site that doesn't exist? Because the Paradise School District lost seven of their eight schools. Or they are damaged to the point you can't you can't hold classes in in them anymore. Do you then disperse those kids to be absorbed by other schools in Butte County, or do you set up a temporary site? I think you would have to set up a temporary site using you know mobile classrooms and things like that. You almost have to. I mean, you, portable classrooms. There would be an incredible benefit to doing that because of the shared yes. trauma that these kids went through. If you put threes or fours into different other, you know, other classes, the impact. They're at a disadvantage of, already. Yeah. yeah. And don't and you, forget these kids, by and large, are pretty poor kids. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Heather Roebuck. Have you heard her story? On Thanksgiving, she wrote down her story on her Facebook page. Heather went in for a C-section on the day that the campfire ripped through that town. She says that they arrived at Feather River Hospital at 5.30 that morning for their scheduled C-section. She says, at the time, I had no idea there was a fire. 
She says, it wasn't until the doctors and nurses discussed whether or not to do the surgery because of the fire that I found out about it. It was decided that the fire was in a completely different town, so it would be safe to proceed. The last baby born at Feather River Hospital was her Hallie. Hallie Harles, born that morning. So happy, of course, the new parents, tears of joy running down their faces. Took pictures with the little baby, and then all of a sudden comes the PA announcement. The hospital is being evacuated. All the patients had to be moved to the ER from whence, from where, they will then be determined how they're going to get them out of there. She says, I was instantly scared and confused. I thought us, they mean us. I'm still cut open. They couldn't mean us, but they did. They taped her up. I don't know how, I don't know how they closed the incision, but they, they quickly closed the incision. They're on the way to the ER with the new baby. Everybody, she says, running through the hallways, trying to find loved ones, trying to figure out where they go. She, remember, minutes after having a baby pulled out of a, a new hole in her body, she's unable to move from the waist down. So she has to be evacuated by ambulance, laying on a gurney while they're trying to figure out what to do with her. At this point, she says, I'm just coming to grips with the fact that I would be separated from my 10-minute-old baby and my husband. She says, we said goodbye with the belief that I was going to be right behind them. We'd be meeting at Enloe Hospital in Chico, but I never made it. Oh, when we come back, the story that Heather tells is just one of the examples of the crazy, crazy things that happened in the midst of that fire two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago now. But it is just an absolute testament not only to her ability to keep it together and survive, but the people around her. You can feel the fear as you hear this story. Oh, we'll continue with this in just a second. Gary and Shanna will continue. Gary and Shannon telling you the story of Heather Roebuck. She had a scheduled C-section at 5.30 was the time she was supposed to be at Feather River Hospital, the day the campfire started up there in Paradise. So they go. Everything goes as planned. The fire is far away from the hospital when she checks in for her C-section. By the time the baby is out and about 10 minutes old, the fire has already reached the hospital area and they're evacuating the whole place. She's put in the back of an ambulance set to be taken to a hospital in Chico when they realize that they can't get out. So the husband and the baby were in a different vehicle and made their way out. She is in the back of an ambulance with another person, two female EMTs up front. Male paramedic was standing in the back area, surfing in the space between between Heather and this other woman is in the back of the ambulance. So five people total. She says, it seems we had only gone a mile before the ambulance stops and one of the female EMTs yells that we're surrounded by fire and have nowhere to go. Wait for it. Then our ambulance dies. She tries to restart this ambulance to no avail. She calls her husband, by the way, Heather calls the husband, and says she's in an ambulance and the engine dies. The next thing she knows, she says everyone's yelling, get them out, get them out, meaning the patients. Remember, she can't move from the waist down because she has a very fresh wound that has just been sealed up from that C-section. 
She realizes at one point the two female EMTs take the woman on the gurney out. The male paramedic had grabbed the woman out of the jump seat to carry her to safety. And, by the way, that leaves Heather in the ambulance alone. And the ambulance had caught fire. She says, I believe I only had seconds left to live. I accepted the fact I'd never see my children or the man I loved again. I was going to burn alive. She calls her husband, Brett, again, tells him, the fire's all around me. I'm not going to make it. She says, we spoke the last words we thought we would ever say to each other. It was terrible and heartbreaking. Basically, we cried. We said we loved each other. I said I loved our kids, that I was so sorry and said goodbye. It was the hardest moment of my life. After they got the other patients out of the ambulance, the paramedic made it back, saw that it was on fire, and started screaming to get her out. And she said, drag me out. Well, just happenstance, another guy was running by, happened to be a pediatrician. He's he's literally running to get away from the fire, but sees that there's an emergency here and asks if he can help. So he jumps inside to grab the head of the backboard, and they got her out of the ambulance in time. She said, I was set on the ground, and there were burning pine needles, leaves, and debris falling all over me. I was still unable to move my lower half. All I could do was pat down the top half of myself And try not to catch fire. Then the paramedic dragged me to the next vehicle of a fire chief who seemed to have appeared out of nowhere. Thankfully, he happened to be nearby monitoring the evacuation, saw we were in trouble. And she says, for the first time, I looked around and saw the terror of my situation. The flames were so high, it seemed as though they touched the sky. We were surrounded by them. She hears a crash to her left. She looks over, and the first responders had broken down a gate to someone's yard and were getting into the garage. They drag her inside of that that garage. Another ambulance with nurses, patients, paramedics pulls up behind them and joins the group. So she watches out of the open side door of the garage as this fire chief is giving orders, and these paramedics, the EMTs, the nurses, the search and rescue, the firemen, are running frantically searching for water and hoses to defend the garage because they can't get out. This is where they're going to make their stand. She says, I was in awe of them, what they were doing, not only to save themselves, but me as well. You could see the fear on their faces, but they just kept working. They were digging trenches, watering down the yard, the garage itself, to keep it from catching fire. And she was thinking, having been paralyzed from the anesthesia, She's just trying to move her legs because if something else happens, she thinks, I'm going to need to be able to crawl out. I'm going to be able I'm going to need to be able to save myself. An engine finally arrives and I finally felt somewhat safe. It seemed like the nightmare would be over, but there was a decision to be made. We could either evacuate back to Feather River Hospital or stay and try to defend a house that could potentially become undefendable. So they decided on Feather River. She's unstrapped from the backboard. She's put in the front seat of this big truck. And she writes, for the first time, I was able to see the level of devastation all around us. It seemed as though everything was either on fire or already destroyed. Burned cars were scattered here and there along the road, down power lines, webbed across the street, piles of burnt rubble that was once somebody's home, charred earth and vegetation were all that remained. She says, I was born and raised in this town. It was hard to accept that paradise was gone. We finally got back to the hospital where we were unloaded, said our thank yous and goodbyes. We went our separate ways. The emergency workers went back to working and helping people. But just when I believed it was going to be okay, nurses were grabbing my gurney and moving me. I was told the fire was heading our way once again and that we were going to take refuge on the helipad. 
They moved all the patients and equipment out there, and then they were told once again they were going to have to evacuate the hospital. And all of a sudden, the parking lot was filled with police and sheriff's vehicles and an ambulance. It had the driver and one of the paramedics from the first ambulance. And they recognized Heather and said, she's coming with us. So she Chills. Was, she's loaded into the front seat of the ambulance. And she said, again, there was just nothing but devastation all around us. The trip was slow going because you can imagine the power lines are all down, crisscrossing all across the street. Again, the paramedics and officers in the caravan of cars risked their lives to get us through. They worked to lower power lines or raise them so we could pass, and we made it through the maze. She said you could feel the intense heat as they would go through this fire, and they were surrounded like it. And the whole day, she was concerned they had survived the whole day just to die right at the end. She says, then it was like boom. Like bursting through a wall, we made it through the fire to safety on the other side. It was over. We were safe. I was going to be okay. The sense of relief was overwhelming. I just thanked God and cried. We were diverted to Oroville Hospital, and from there, it's a blur. She says, I remember arriving at the hospital, getting in a room, but I, I can't remember anything else. But the best moment was when my husband and baby came through that door. And think about her husband, too, this whole time. Not knowing. He's on the phone with her, and she's like, I'm surviving. I'm surrounded by fire. I'm not going to make it. I love you and the kids. And getting that call and being so helpless. He was so helpless in that moment. One of the things that I've said to people who feel traumatized by all of this is you've got to remember that there are incredible examples of human beings doing things for strange, risking their own lives for complete strangers. And this is an example. They do it every day. This is the way she writes it up. She says, they are heroes. Speaking of the people who, the men and women who saved her, they are heroes and I will be forever grateful. I don't think people realize that a lot of these emergency workers lost everything themselves and that they are still out there saving lives and working to keep us safe. Heather Roebuck is her name. So incredible. Yeah. Very cool story. Awesome story. Great ending. So, Coming up next, Elon Musk says uh, there's a 70 percent chance he will make uh, the trip to Mars. And also we need to start weaponizing ourselves with A.I. so that we can take over the machines when they try to kill all of us. I think I got that something right. Something like that. Yeah. Gary and Shannon will continue. That Chargers game yesterday? I did. I just saw a stat here. Philip Rivers completed 25 straight passes, tying the NFL record. And I believe he took the NFL record for most accurate at 96.6%. Clearly, yeah. So the odds of Philip Rivers completing 25 straight passes is 86,000 to 1. The odds of being struck by lightning, 15,000 to 1. <laughs> he had a better chance of getting struck by lightning than doing what he did yesterday. Well, And some of those passes could Holy have easily been dropped. Hell. I mean, the, 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 the touchdown the pass, the third The receivers were incredible. Mike Williams with the, the toes in. I, that was, I thought, going to be called back. But I thought so, too. But you, it's clear as day, and he's wearing the blue shoes yeah. on the blue turf there. Oh my gosh! That was Incredible. pretty amazing. But the thing I've loved about Philip Rivers, and we said we talked about this before, he could be up by thirty points, and he's still, oh. yeah, I mean, he is 
not only is he yelling at the officials and he's yelling at his sideline, he's yelling at the opposing players. He told you and I in preseason when we were out there, he only has one level. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And that's not just at the game. Like, we'll be on the plane going home after, like, a long day. These guys have <laughs> got to be tired. And he's still screaming. Yeah. He's still at a level 11 the whole season. I would do Thanksgiving with Philip. It's just great to see somebody who loves the game so much. Because there's so many teams where the stars don't love football. Right? They do it because they're successful at it. They're making a lot of money. This team is filled with guys that absolutely love the game. Yeah. It's just nice to see. It's like being around a bunch of kids all the time. Well, they are kids. We've uh, spent a lot of time talking about Elon Musk in the last couple of months because, for, well, for a series of reasons, um, not the least of which was his episode with uh, Joe Rogan where he's smoking pot and starting to uh, raise questions about how sane the guy is. And in all honesty, if you drive a Tesla or you have a, a payload on a SpaceX rocket, you don't care how crazy he is because the products that he's been producing have been ridiculously good. Um, he said in a very interesting uh, in a very interesting interview that he described starting SpaceX and Tesla, the two companies that he's best known for, or at least right now he's best known for, that that was possibly the dumbest things to do. In terms of starting new businesses. He told Jonathan Nolan, who's the co-creator of Westworld, during a um, South by Southwest panel back in March, if you were to do a risk-adjusted rate of return estimate on various industry opportunities, I would put building rockets and cars pretty close to the bottom of the list. They would have to be the dumbest things to do. Which is an interesting way to put it. Now, Granted, I don't know how much money he's going to make at SpaceX. He's already made a billion dollars. I think there's a market uh, cap on Tesla right now at about $52 billion. But he said he gave both SpaceX and Tesla from the beginning a probability of less than 10% likelihood to succeed. Because he's talking about these as not as plans to make money if he just wanted to make money he would have just started another internet company at some point but he said there had to be advancements in the way we were doing things tesla has definitely pushed the envelope when it comes to the technology of what will of what cars will look like in the next 10 or 15 years and the fact that he's a risk taker like this like he's laying out is why he's so successful it's also why he uh smokes weed on podcasts right that that's the kind of guy he's is he's impulsive he's a risk taker so it can it can harm you and it can hurt you and with the news last week that nasa is going to be looking into how sound spacex is since it's doing business with spacex following the uh pot smoking podcast episode and i'm sure that they will find nothing wrong with the company, Elon Musk also has revealed in an interview that he's worried about artificial intelligence turning humans into an endangered species. That we need to achieve symbiosis between AI technology and humans. He's he's got another company that he's talking about now. This one is called Neuralink, and he he believes that Neuralink will have that technology probably within the next decade to implant technology in human bodies to he, to make us better? He describes it as an electrode to neuron interface at a micro level. So that should clear any questions up that you had about it. <laughs> uh, in layman's terms, he says it's a chip and a bunch of tiny wires that goes in your brain. 
No, thank you. Well, remember, well. so so in the context of Tesla and SpaceX, he said from the beginning he gave them a probability of less than 10% likelihood to succeed. He says the same thing about this. The efforts to make AI safe only have a 5 to 10% chance of success. Which actually, I mean, based on his numbers and, and his track record seems okay. You know, you could take some uh, some solace in that. But at the same time, the suggestion perhaps that uh, we've got to get a little cozier with our calculators in order to prevent the T-1000 from coming and taking us all. He says that the first flight to Mars, by the way, will likely happen in seven years. Oh, can we do that next? Because I... Oh, yeah. He has a very interesting take on what should happen with humans on Mars. Oh, I can't wait. Especially because we're watching NASA right now. They're NASA mission oh, they're control clapping. over Pasadena. That's, is that good? Uh, or is that they're just getting underway? They're just getting jacked up. They're like that looks like a tense room, doesn't free it? Game, yeah. Someone is pooping. It's right a lot now. of brain power in that room. A lot of brain power. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Amy, now this room, on the other hand, yeah, not uh, not so much. Not quite as warm in this room for some reason. <laughs> We are uh, keeping an eye on mission control over in Pasadena. Chris Carlo is over there. They have a, a lander that's on its way down to Mars, and what they expect will be, uh, I think they're calling it Seven Minutes of Hell. It sounds like a game you played in high school, but... Seven this, Minutes of Hell? Uh, just in terms of... <laughs> I just thought it was like seven minutes... Seven minutes of tension or something. Oh, I'm pretty sure they don't Hell. like it. It's huh. going to be a it's going to be a rough time for that little lander. I feel like everybody in that room at JPL is uh, does not think it's hell. This is like their Super Bowl. Yeah, but I love it. What, what if? Yes, but I, but you say Super Bowl. I mean, they're going to play the game no matter what. In this case, the game might not even get started. I mean, that thing yeah. could. Die in a fireball. Now they're the best at what they do, so I hope that you know I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't be the case. We've got a live look inside that room. Everyone's in a maroon polo shirt, and the faces are very severe. There's going to be a lot of drinking around JPL tonight. I don't think that they're big drinkers. The, will, the people in that room. They will be tonight. We should have Ann Carlo ask them how they plan to celebrate. Well, let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves. Let's make sure that let's make sure that seven minutes of hell ends correctly. So. Elon Musk says that the first flight to Mars will likely happen in seven years. That's a bit faster than NASA's timeline of 25 years. He says there's a 70% chance he will take a flight to Mars in his lifetime. He's 47. He also says that if you were to to price it out, it would probably be about a couple hundred thousand dollars. But he says don't think of it as some rich man's joyride. Yeah, the the people that go to Mars will have a probability of dying there that's much higher on Earth. You might land successfully, he says, but once you get there, you'll be working nonstop to build the base. Matt Damon won't be there. There's not much time for leisure activities, a very harsh environment, and there's a good chance you die there. He says, we think <laughs> we can come back, but we're not sure. Now, does that sound like an escape hatch for rich people? That's his question. Um, he talks about... The people who would choose to go to Mars, and I've had conversations with people who have said they would absolutely sign up for that opportunity. 
even knowing what he's saying here is is uh, very much a reality that there the likelihood of you dying on Mars or going to Mars is relatively high. Uh, but he said, the, think of the Mars trip in terms of how people climb mountains like Mount Everest. They do it simply for the challenge, despite the dangers, the inherent dangers in doing something like that. Which I think is a crazy way to look into it. But um, when you when you also imagine that. There are plenty of people who would be willing to take that risk just for the notoriety. The old uh, apocryphal uh, Shackelford, I think was his name, the guy who went to the South Pole, who I don't know if this has ever been proven or disproven, but it, but it would fall into this, this category where in the New York Times or something like that back in the 1915, the winter of 1915, he wrote a want ad for people to go to the South Pole with him. And he was talking about how hard it was going to be and you're going to be cold and you'll probably end up getting frostbite and you won't be able to eat and it's just going to be the most dangerous thing you've ever done. Chances are you won't make it back alive. But just think about how famous you're going to be. It was it was an ad that was basically that. And again, I don't, I don't remember if it's ever been proven to have actually been placed. But I remember a similar story of women who went to the South Pole. And it was the same kind of ad that somebody took out, and they did it. And I, I feel like they, they – it might have been like an ESPN 30 for 30 that I heard podcast of, of women making the trek to the South Pole yeah. or the Nor- – the Nor- maybe it was the North Pole. I don't know. Um, now, who do you think would be on that rocket ship for notoriety? For notoriety. And would they pass the physical test? I'm assuming you'll have to go through a battery of tests to, to even ensure that you could make the trip. Because right. it's going to be months, potentially, to get from here to Mars, period. Just that part of it is going to take months. Um, well, I would imagine it would be people like Elon Musk who are ridiculously wealthy. But what they don't have, perhaps, is that world historic character they're they're not going to have the the footnote next to their name that says uh, I was a Mars pioneer and this is the only way to get it. I think it would be Kanye West on that spacecraft. I think he's one of those people that would do it for doing its sake. Sorry. <laughs> rubbing my forehead. Now. I'm just thinking of the people who have a couple hundred thousand dollars to uh to risk their life with. For, for notoriety's sake. And you're not suggesting that we put him on there. Like, he should no, do it voluntarily. No, no, no. I'm not putting people on that. You know what? This is a fun gas go around. Okay. Yeah. Blake, like let's fire up that Been machine a while. First one of the holiday season. The first gas go around. All right, gang. You've got to put one person from KFI on the shuttle to Mars. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not going to start that war again. It can be anybody in existence. One person knowing that they probably won't be coming back ever. And let's just say, let's just take everybody at KFI off the board. All right, we smart. don't want to. We don't want to start fights smart. the day, but the first day back. Yeah. Blake. Oh. <laughs> well, no, because like I was only the only person I could think of was John, and that's because John would like that. Okay, you could put he John want, on there. Yeah, he would like it's the not, solitude. You're absolutely yeah, it's right. not out of like dislike of John. It's it's to help him out. You're right. All the KFI people back on the board. <laughs> John is in one of the seats. Okay. Nick. 
Uh, I can't pick myself, right? No. Mm. Well, you would go knowing that you could die or not come back to us? Yeah. Wow, he seemed pretty pleasant with that. He seemed pretty, pretty... I say Blake Bortles. Hey, he already lost a job oh, today. Sorry, Nathan Peterman. He's, They've already been he's outcast. Been out of Why do you need to outcast him harder? Why are you well, trying to make I, your I'm, lives worse? I'm just trying One to... of them's wandering the wilderness you of upper want... state New York, and the <laughs> other one's wandering around in Florida with if nothing Blake to do. If you're Blake Bortles, you don't want the only thing after the comma, Blake Bortles, comma, okay. who was cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. You want Blake Bortles, comma, a Martian pioneer. You know what? Comma, who was cut I from the Jacksonville totally Jaguars. I am totally buying into your thought process right See? now. Right? Who could I save? Amy, what what do you think? Nope. I think uh, most most Democrats would say Donald Trump. <laughs> That's true. I don't think he would pass the physical. He, he's, Excellent hey, shape. What are you talking about? He's, been in... he's in the best shape in history. Didn't you listen right. to the doctor? Oh. Of all the histories. Of all the men. Ever. <laughs> Got it. Uh, Kyle Williams. I'll put Kyle Williams on that. Take away those and two fumbled. Are you still going to say and and give him gloves so that he can hold on to the ball? All right. Nice. Um, the update, by the way, in terms of Marsha, it looks like the Insight spacecraft has officially landed on Mars. Um, either that or somebody. Oh, look at that. They're hugging. They're clapping. Somebody just rolled the double dodecahedron die oh, in the totally. Dungeons and Dragons. Totally. The, it looks like uh, we haven't seen any video, obviously, but uh, everyone seems to be very, very happy about how things went. Uh, you do have audio in the room? Touchdown confirmed. Oh, man. Well, that's well, that pretty. sounds like a lot of glee. Uh, <laughs> I told you, going to be a lot of drinking later today in Pasadena. Yeah, something. Hey, a reminder: a week from Friday, so almost two weeks now, we're gonna. You are gonna help us feed twenty thousand kids a week in LA and Orange Counties at our annual Pastathon to benefit Katarina's Club. This year, we're gonna be broadcasting live all day from Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove. It will be Friday, December 7th, 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call, all the way through the Conway crew at 10 o'clock at night, accepting money, donations, pasta, and sauce. And if you cannot make it out there that day, you can still help. 100% of all your donations go to Katarina's Club. For all the details, log on to pastathon.com. And a reminder, this year you can walk into any Smart and Final store Anywhere in California, Arizona, or Nevada, ask the cashier about that $10 donation for KFI's Pastathon for feeding Katarina's kids. And the, the $10 donation will give a, a meal donation for 14 children. Just a $10 donation. Was that your stomach, I heard? Yeah. You need to get some food. I'm going to get some. You need to get some food. Yeah. It, right. It's not used to going a full 17 minutes without food. <laughs> it's been a... It's been a very healthy uh, week. All right. All the news uh, everyone's talking about everywhere. We'll get you all caught up when we come back. Do you think Jesus did say bless you? Wow. That is a great... If you know a pastor or a theologian of any kind... Blake, can you get your pastor on the phone? Why would he have? Well... I don't know. 
Because I mean, if, is, if there was it, a sneeze... Yeah, but if, bless you's come from the, like, it, isn't it has something to do with, like, your spirit or, like, a demon messing with your soul and stuff, right? Uh, oh, yeah. you're the right. That, that that was a... That's right. how the and, demon and gets Christ into your did, soul. And Christ doesn't clearly believe you're in those right. things. You're right. It's because, like a pagan oh, Hold on a second. What do you mean he doesn't believe in demons? No, he doesn't believe in a sneeze being the access point for your soul. Yeah, that's true. Christ would not have believed that. So he wouldn't have said bless you? No. Right, because then he would just be going with a, that's just a pagan right. belief or, or a, what's, um, like a myth. Yeah. Yeah. Like hocus pocus. Yeah, with the air quotes and everything. That is a, if anybody knows what Jesus would have said when Shannon sneezed, please let us know. Yeah, I just, just accuse Gary of being unchristlike because he didn't I'm not say sure. bless you when I sneezed. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's the correct use of that's. Hmm. Hey, coming up in about an hour, we're asking for your Thanksgiving grievances. We're going to air them all out. Tracy wrote to us on Facebook at Gary and Shannon, nothing tragic, but I asked my man to go to the store on Wednesday morning, his day off to pick up some potatoes, rolls, dressing, and pie. He didn't. He's still there? So basically, we had the turkey. Oh, wait, what? (laughs) It's funny. Uh. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, you heard Chris and Carlo. It looks like NASA's latest Mars lander, Insight, did successfully touch down on the surface of Mars, surviving an intense plunge through the atmosphere. It was a, Blake, give me the sound here. It was a very um, hushed tone for about 10 or 12 seconds there while they're waiting for confirmation. 30 meters, 20 meters. 17 meters, standing by for touchdown. And you can hear people's stomachs growling in this <laughs> at JPL. Looking for something. Anybody? Anybody? Touchdown confirmed. Mm. It was an intense wow. multi-step routine. It slowed the lander from more than 12,000 miles per hour to just five miles per hour before it hit the grand ground. Wow. There was a supersonic parachute involved. That is fantastic. Now we just got to wait for, uh, for all of these things to just start shipping back pictures well, of Martians. Yeah. They're there to they're there to record Mars quakes as they call them so we can learn more about the uh the interior of Mars. I've seen a lot of headlines about this trending story. We started actually last week. John Allen Chow, this 26-year-old guy who was killed as he was trying to spread Christianity to North Sentinel, a forbidden island off the coast of India with a long history of oh, I don't know killing people who show up to its shores. They uh, have been trying to find this guy's body. They believe that they buried him on the beach. But because no one is allowed on the island, they're trying to figure out, do we even try to go get him and take his body back and bring it back to wherever he belongs? I think he was from uh, Washington State most recently. But it's considered one of the last undiluted hunter-gatherer societies where a few dozen people live completely trapped in time and in total isolation. So they've, they've, what's funny is they describe this as, as India having kept this island in a museum case, that they will not allow people to visit the island. They do not allow any sort of uh, visitors, specifically because it could kill them. 
they don't have the same immunity to disease that you and I would. And very basic infections could end up wiping out the population of a few dozen people. Chris Watts has been sentenced for the murders of his pregnant wife and his two little girls. And one of the stories that came out when the investigation was unfolding was that there was a a man who called in one of those uh, crime shows and said he had had an affair with Chris Watts. And now he is doing more interviews, and he's doing interviews with investigators, and he's a male escort, and he claims he was in this secret gay relationship with Chris Watts, and that Chris Watts gave him money from time to time and paid for his lip injections. They talked about um, deciding whether or not this guy was actually telling the story. Trent did provide contact information for his mother, who was able to confirm some of the details of this alleged relationship and then share some new ones with investigators, including the fact that her son admitted that he was seeing Chris Chris Watts long before he was accused of killing his wife and children, and that Watts was paying him money, 250 bucks here, 100 bucks there, on separate occasions, that one of the payments was for her son's lip injections. One of the stories to come out today is a Chinese researcher who is talking about at a conference about some of his research. It's in Hong Kong. And he says that he helped create the world's first genetically edited babies, twin girls born this month, using a tool that allowed him to alter their DNA. It's a tool to make them resistant to HIV. And everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are very upset about this, calling it unconscionable uh, experiment on human beings. It's not morally or ethically defensible, according to one doctor from the University of Pennsylvania. There are a couple of uh, uh, people who have signed on to letters that describe it that way. Other doctors who said that this ignores the principles of ethics. And they describe they said they describe the behavior as crazy, that this doctor is completely out of his mind because they didn't do enough to prov- to prove that what he was going to do would be safe for the babies that come as a result of this. Uh, but but again, he chose something that you can't really argue with the idea. You want to be able to reduce the uh, transferability, I suppose, of HIV that that everybody agrees with. The question is. Can you do that and still end up with an otherwise complete baby? Passengers on an Amtrak train from New York City to Boston were stuck for six hours outside Penn Station due to a power problem. (laughs) Why are you laughing? There was a toilet situation. Yes, the toilet situation. Now, like our office this morning. If you were on a train for several hours and there was a, finger quotes, toilet situation what would you do according to according to beth jacobson one of the passengers what the attendants did was made a porta potty out of a cardboard box time to go time to pull that little cable and open that door and get off that train when someone's uh, doing their business in a cardboard box in front of you Mm. time to go I mean, that's what happens on those cruise ships sometimes. Um, did you see this uh, trending story that uh, Axel Rose got sick? Yeah, I feel like this is a headline from 1989. Axel Rose gets sick and can't complete a set. Like, isn't that 
the way that Axl Rose operates? Well, he said they said he was able to maintain himself for 20 songs of a 28-song set, but eventually tapped out and the band had to cut the show short. They got him on a bunch of IVs and a bunch of injections. He says he's been thrown up, so instead of canceling, he was going to do the best show he could. And, hey, 20 out of 28 songs, that's not bad. That's, you know, two-thirds of the way through, basically. That's good. All right, and also that ATM in Texas that's bidding out $100 bills instead of 20s. People are (laughs) are rioting over it. Do people know that there are cameras on ATMs? No. Oh, well, guess what? There There are cameras cameras on ATMs. ATMs. Yes, Blake, you have a question. I did some research, actually, for you guys. And it uh, looks like the saying bless you came from Pope Gregory the First, a.k.a. Gregory the Great. Um, it had to do with uh, fending off, like, certain death because you were sick. Right. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm, I think it's pretty safe to say that Christ did not say it as there were no popes at that time. That's excellent yeah, research, Blake. Because, you know, your your heart is supposedly, it stops when you sneeze. And that's why you say bless you to mm-hmm. say, okay, let's keep that sucker going. But just in case it doesn't keep going... Then the last thing you heard was "bless you." Oh, that's nice. Think about what if what would happen if my heart stopped and you so didn't say fact, anything. So in fact, Gary was being quite Christ-like by not saying "bless you." Thank you, Blake. I got you. Hmm. Coming up next, is that a go? Is, is that a, is that yeah. a? Are we a go? Are no we a go, go for launch? Seven minutes of terror. Yeah! Seven minutes of terror. We won't we know. Back. We might have Standing Chris by for confirmation of Chris and Carlo. I asked him to ask all the smart people in maroon shirts what they do to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get an answer. Hmm? Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon, bottom of this hour, we're going to get into Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. The president just left for a campaign rally down in Mississippi for a uh, runoff down there. We'll talk about what he said. He made some comments before he uh, made his way to Marine One and then on out to the airport. Also in the 1 o'clock hour, we talked about Cyber Monday, Black Friday. Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us. We're going to do Market Monday with her and talk about what the expectations are for the uh, for the big holiday sales season, but also the headline today about General Motors deciding to shut down production in some of its plants here in North America. It was a six-and-a-half-month trip, and now a NASA spacecraft has landed on Mars, keeping NASA's perfect record intact. Chris Carlo is at JPL, joins us now. That's some excitement there. Are those birds? Those are birds. They're in the background right yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah, there are birds. I'm surrounded by birds. Because here's the thing about JPL, right? As Even though you've got all this tech up here, but it's also just a gorgeous bit of landscaping. And, you know, right up against the uh, San Gabriel Mountains, you got some uh, some trails back here. So, yes, you're hearing birds. That is correct. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of excitement there today. A uh, ton of excitement. I just stepped outside of the uh, the main building where everybody was kind of watching the show. And I'll tell you what, that moment when everything, you know, it's supposed to land and it's supposed to touch down and you're supposed to get a signal back that it has touched down. And there's just this like pregnant pause and it lasts 
know, maybe 10 seconds, but it seemed like it lasted two or three minutes. And you could just feel everybody's stomach flipping inside of that room as they're waiting for that confirmation that the rover has landed and that it's somewhat intact. And so that was the first celebration once there was confirmation that it, that it had landed. And then there was a second confirmation because almost immediately they got a picture, not, not a great picture, but they got a picture back from the rover. And the reason they were able to get that picture back is because there was this side mission um, and it was a, basically a, a technology proving mission. And they sent up a couple of small, what they call cube satellites. And uh, each one of them about the size of a briefcase It's called Marco. So you have Marco A and Marco B. And these two satellites have been traveling, you know, basically right behind the uh, right behind the rover all the way to Mars and the whole purpose is to see if we can speed up communication in deep space and not to get too technical on it but uh, the reason it takes so long is because as the rover's sending information up from the surface of Mars up to satellites that are uh, circling around Mars they, they can use this X-band frequency but they can't send and receive simultaneously and so what this allowed is for them to send a, a UHF, UHF signal and then transfer for that onto an X-band signal, and boom, there we go. We get an instant signal from Mars. And so that was, I think, even the bigger celebration because it actually worked. So you did get some of this basic stuff, like you're talking about this initial image right away. What are some of the things that InSight is supposed to be doing while it's there on the surface? A couple of things are going to be deployed pretty quickly. One is going to be a seismograph, and they're going to uh, track what they call Mars quakes, because obviously it's not Earth. You can't call it an earthquake. Uh, and that, that'll help them understand, you know, the, um, the viscosity, I guess, of the, of the crust. It'll, they'll, they'll be able to understand the density of the crust and of the planet that way. They're also going to probe into the, uh, into the crust. They're going to, I think it's like 60 feet deep that they'll be able to drill down and uh, essentially take a reading from inside of the planet. So uh, you, you scrape away all the weathering, and then you get a better idea of what lies beneath the surface. And then from there, they can start to jump and draw and build conclusions on the formation of Mars relative to the formation of Earth and um, you know maybe even unlock some mysteries that we have here on Earth in terms of the composition of, of our planet and how we came to be because obviously we have all of this beautiful life that exists on, on the surface and all of that beautiful life kind of gets in the way of understanding what lies beneath the surface whereas in Mars obviously it's not the same case. So a lot of really great science is going to come out of this over the, uh, the next couple of years. Hey, how do these uh, scientists party? How do they celebrate well, they all have very carefully choreographed dances. Mm. And depending on the play, whether it's the defense or the offense that scores, they will launch into one of these dances. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it involves an impromptu lip sync battle. <laughs> and sometimes it is, uh, you know, you get things like uh, the tango. And these guys do all sorts of great stuff. I, I appreciate the selfies, you know, when all the scientists run off into the corner of the control room and take a selfie. That's the best one. <laughs> Well done. Well done. Uh, Chris, have um, fun partying with nerds. Yeah. By, by the way, the, the, the real answer to that, I asked one scientist earlier, and uh, the way they celebrate is by getting into the data. Mm, that is exactly how they celebrate. <laughs> Get into that data. So uh, if you live in around Pasadena, man, lock your doors tonight. Someone's going to be, be getting running all... Running wild with numbers and angles. Datum crazy. Listen. Listen, guys, I live in Pasadena, and I already have my spreadsheets open on all my computers. I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> all right. Thank well, you, Chris. it's a little early, but I guess I'll right. celebrate a big thing. All right. Chris Ancarlo, like the latest the in Pasadena. perfect story for Ancarlo. <laughs> when we come back. <laughs>
uh, all of our Swamp Watch stories getting into Washington, D.C. politics stuff when we come Did back. you see this President T? Yes. It's like a new nickname for himself. I love it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Coming up at 1 o'clock, we will dive into Market Monday with Rebecca Jarvis. Some news coming out of GM. It's going to lay off or get rid of about 14,700 employees, maybe shut down a, a few plants, maybe five, as they move into autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles. Big uh, story, both locally and, um, I don't know, gal- galactic. Sure. A NASA spacecraft landed on Mars just uh, within the last hour or so um, to explore the interior there. They announced that the spacecraft InSight touched down a while ago. There was a supersonic descent through the red Martian skies. And then radio signals sent back showed that it took eight minutes to cross the 100 million miles. Did I say eight minutes? Eight months. 100 million. Nope. Try it again. The radio signals took eight minutes. To cross the, Chris is so much smarter. Do, do we need to get Chris back on the Probably. phone here? Just to, just yeah. For the love. Well, we it's got a for, yeah. It's time for swamp. A little rusty. Drain the swamp. <laughs> We're gonna drain the swamp of Washington. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp watch. Well, the president took a moment yesterday on Twitter to, uh, we could say, thank somebody that he believes is owed a bit of gratitude himself. He wrote, so great that oil prices are falling. Thank you, President T. Add that, which is like a big (laughs) tax cut, to our other good economic news. Inflation down. Are you listening, Fed? President T. Now, when I saw this yesterday, I didn't th- I didn't jump to the conclusion that other people did, but no. I love that other people are smarter than I am, and they all thought of Mr. T. I didn't think of it either. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the people who photoshopped Donald Trump's face onto Mr. T from the 1980s, from the A-team, it was absolutely great. <clears throat> uh, somebody wrote, Trump giving himself the friendly nickname President T makes me deeply uncomfortable. Like he's trying to cast himself in the role of the good dad all of the neighborhood kids love in a 1950s TV show. Come on. T would be a great president. Uh, President also on his way down to Mississippi uh, to stump for uh, Republican Senate appointee, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. She made rallies. uh, She highlight a runoff campaign against her Democrat uh, challenger, Mike Espy. President Trump thanked her back on Twitter for voting for, quote, our agenda in the Senate 100 percent of the time. Uh, This is not as easy as that, because uh, as we've seen in several of these different races in the South, race plays a big role in this. Yes. Um, 
Espy is a former congressman and U.S. Ag Secretary who would become Mississippi's first black senator since Reconstruction. She has drawn a lot of fire for a photo showing her wearing a replica hat of a Confederate soldier and a video showing her praising a supporter by saying, quoting here, if he invited me to a public hanging, I'd be on the front row. Of course, Mississippi has a long history of racially motivated lynchings and violence uh, against people who were trying to get voting rights for black citizens. The uh, the winner today, whoever it is, will or sorry, tomorrow, tomorrow's the election day, will finish the final two years of the term that was started by Thad Cochran. He resigned because of some health problems back in April. So she has been uh, Cindy Hyde Smith has been sort of temporarily holding the seat, but it's long enough or it's early enough into the remaining Senate term that they have to have a special election to actually put somebody in there for the last two years. Um, We'll see where this goes. The president actually said um, that this is one of those examples where the president has said, if you support me and if I support you, you're going to win. And if you remember the day after the election, I mean, the Jim Acosta news conference before the Jim Acosta portion of it, he went through and read a list of Republican incumbents who lost and one of the ones that he pointed out was was Mia Love. If you remember, Mia Love is a Republican congresswoman from Utah uh, who happens to be black and one of the only Republican members of Congress who is black and a woman. But apparently she, that wasn't enough. It took a long time. She finally gave her concession speech earlier today. And when Donald Trump said something along the lines of Mia Love, she lost, showed me no love or whatever he said. That was offensive to her. And she said, I was proud of all her work. I am proud of the fact that I nagged the president every day to bring Joshua Holt home. Joshua Holt was a guy who was taken prisoner, uh, taken hostage in Venezuela, I believe. And she was the one trying to raise consciousness about it so that, that something could have been done. Uh, but but here's the th- how progressive are you if uh, you vote a black woman out of Congress and replace her with a white man? I thought we were not doing that anymore. That's so un-2018 of you. George Papadopoulos, former aide for Trump's campaign in 2016. Bad news for him. A judge yesterday denied a motion trying to postpone his sentence pending a separate case. He was hoping would lead to his conviction being overturned. So he'll report to jail today to start his 14-day sentence. He pleaded guilty to lying to federal agents who were trying to look into ties between the campaign and Russia. Speaking of that, the, the president took to Twitter this morning talking about Bob Mueller and his investigation, uh, questioning why Bob Mueller's team had not spoken with, quoting, hundreds of people who, who saw no evidence of coordination with Russia's, Russians during the 2016 campaign. He said, when Mueller does his final report, will he be covering all of his conflicts of interest in a preamble? Will he be recommending action, recommending action? Did he say, did he spell that right? Anyway, (laughs) recommending action on all the crimes of many kinds from those on the other side, whatever happened to Podesta, and will he be putting in statements from hundreds of people closely involved with my campaign who never met, saw, or spoke to a Russian during this period? He wrote, so many campaign workers, people inside from the building, asked me why they've not been called they want to be. There was no collusion, and Bob Mueller knows it. Uh, One of the other big issues the president did today uh, with things that he talked about was the movement of GM, they were saying that they were going to close down some uh, some production lines here. 
And on his way to Mississippi for that uh, campaign rally we talked to you about, he said he's not happy about this plan for GM. Happy about this plan for GM. I'm not happy about it. Their car is not selling well, so they'll put something else. I have no doubt that in a not-too-distant future, they'll put something else. They better put something else in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the or else is, uh, but uh, President T going to get mad. All right, coming up next, we will check in at the border. Border officials have reopened a port of entry there after a group of migrants tried to legally enter the country, throwing bottles and rocks at agents. But that's not the pictures you see. What you see are the tear gas canisters that are in close close proximity to women and children and uh, headlines from people saying that we are gassing people at the border for the love of God. Speaking of which, the question to the president. This morning, before he got out of the helicopter, was do you uh, do you endorse tear gassing women and children? Idiocy. Gary and Shannon will continue. Next hour, we're going to do a couple things. Number one, we're going to be talking Market Monday with Rebecca Jarvis, not only about the headlines about GM cutting down some of its production, but also uh, Black Friday review, see how things went in terms of uh, retail sales. Things are going well for Cyber Monday, we believe, at this point. And uh, the prime time is going to be later on this evening, sometime between 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Our time is when they are expecting people are going to spend $1.5 billion on stuff. Also, next hour at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be taking your Thanksgiving grievance calls. Uh, listen, everybody has a story about things that either went really well or things that went really bad. Like either grandma got tossed into the pool or somebody never heard about the romaine lettuce recall and something bad happened. So we want to hear about that to, uh, next hour. Well, things got crazy at the border with uh, migrants trying to rush the border, throwing bottles and Rocks at border agents who used a non-lethal form of controlling violence in tear gas canisters, which is causing everybody to explode with, we are gassing people at the border now. Babies. Good Lord. And you support it. Alex Stone joins us from the border crossing there in San Diego with the very latest. Alex, a little bit more toned down today, huh? Yeah, a lot more toned down now. I'm looking around right now, and it's a normal day at the, the San Ysidro border crossing right now. There's uh, there's nothing out of the ordinary going on. People are going into Mexico. They're coming out of Mexico legally, uh, doing it how it normally goes every day. The uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection helicopters are up above us here, like you see on any normal day. They're going back and forth, which you got to remember about what went on yesterday, because especially outside of Southern California, people are, are picturing that, that this is, you know, a rush of people that constantly is trying to jump over the, the fence as part of this migrant group. This was an organized protest yesterday that, that the Border Patrol knew was coming. They were ready for it. That's why they were in the, the riot gear and they, they had everything ready to go. And the protesters were and the migrants were trying to make a point that they feel like that the asylum cases at 100 a day are being hurt too slowly and that they thought this was the way to, to make their point, to try to rush the border. That's what they did yesterday, that this was a relatively short-lived event. 
then they went back to where they are right now in a sports complex on the, the Tijuana side, and that's where they're camped out waiting to, to make their asylum case. It's not to say they're not going to try to do it again, but that it was uh, an organized attempt to make a point as they were rushing toward the border. Are there American immigration officials meeting with them at that stadium? Not that we know of. Not not on that side. At least uh, from the U.S. government, no. Uh, but when they get to this side, when they, they get up to the, the, the border checkpoint, which is the, the busiest border crossing here in San Isidro in the world, it's believed that, that there is not a busier uh, border checkpoint, border crossing. Then they come in and they claim at that point, that they want asylum. But but we know that whether their asylum case is real or if it's bogus, they know what to say by the time that they get here, that they need to say that they are in danger. They need to say that that uh, their life would be at stake if they went back, in many cases, to, to Honduras in this group that's here right now. But they wait to be called in. And, and it's about 100 a day. There are 5,000 migrants who right now are in that sports complex there are quite a few who are outside because they there just isn't enough room to get inside. So they uh, they they've set up tents. They're they're waiting out their their time to find out when they can get into that center with everybody else. And then there's a long line of folks right now waiting to to get food. That the Mexican government is feeding them. They've got medical care for them on the Mexican side. And and now it's a wait, almost like what we saw, what six seven months ago when. The other caravan came here, and, and we were there with them as, as they, too, were, were waiting to get called in, and eventually they did. Are our Border Patrol uh, agents working with the their Mexican counterparts there? How, what is Mexico doing to contain the situation? Well, we know that the, the U.S. and Mexico are talking, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interaction going on between street-level agents here. There may be some, but the, the Mexican agents stay on their side. The U.S. agents stay on theirs. And that the, the the hope is from the White House that that Mexico will do something to, to try to to stop this group from from trying to come in. Uh, Mexico announced several hours ago that there are 98 migrants who tried to illegally cross into to the U.S. That Mexico is going to deport. That uh, that Mexico is going to take it into their own hands and send them back to Honduras or, or wherever their home countries are. So it does appear that Mexico is trying to make the point that they are attempting, at least, to, to show the U.S. that they're, they're trying to, to deal with the migrants who made the, the rush yesterday. On the U.S. side, there are about 70 that were, were captured trying to, to come into the U.S. and that they were actually on the California side. They were arrested by, by U.S. authorities, and they'll begin that deportation process now. All right, but things for the most part today are calm. Yeah, very calm right now. As I look around, uh, you know, the the port is uh, is open. Uh, there there are people coming and going, and doesn't look like there's anything out of the ordinary. Awesome, Alex. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there along the border in San Ysidro. Um, you know, Steve made a comment about earlier the timing of what happened yesterday, the mm-hmm. timing of this group that was trying to come across as port of a, uh, started out as part of a demonstration. The smaller group splintered off, charged at the border, the actual border wall itself. And the there is a belief, I think Steve was said he was talking with the Border Patrol agents who believed that this was clearly an attempt to get this in the news, knowing that if they did it on Sunday, it would lead the news the next day, which obviously it has because we've seen the images of 
uh, babies in diapers being pulled away from tear gas canisters. Yeah, it does seem quite convenient, doesn't it? But I've seen one picture of a mom with two babies being pulled away from a tear gas canister. And in the background, clearly, you see people standing around doing nothing, not being threatened by... Do you support babies being tear gassed? Good Lord. People are accusing us of saying we uh, oh, we uh, pre- we like we uh, we like it. No, no, no people We've are been waiting people for are this le- day. People are leaving out the fact that it's tear gas. And we've all we've all been tear gassed. We we know what that is. It's made to feel make you feel uncomfortable. Yes, we're not get people are leaving out tear. People are saying we're gassing babies at the border. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. How are the agents that are there supposed to defend themselves? That is the way the textbook says to defend yourself when people are throwing bottles and rocks at your head. What are they supposed to do? Just let them let themselves get injured? Just stand there and do nothing? So you do like it when babies get gassed. Coming up next. Oh, sorry. You got I got the look, guys. You're gonna have to I got the look from her. Sorry. I've done a lot of that in the past couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I need to cleanse myself of the looks. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us. We're going to be talking about Market Monday. Let's talk about some money stuff. Let's That's do that. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Barry and Shannon will continue Thanks, right after this. President T. This Monday, November 26th, put this on your calendar next Friday, not this week, but next Friday, December 7th, we are going to be live at Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove again for our annual KFI Postathon to benefit Katarina's Club. We're going to be broadcasting all of our shows live out there all day from 5 in the morning through 10 o'clock at night, accepting money, donations, pasta, and sauce to benefit Katarina's Club. And if you can't make it, you could still help out. 100% of all the donations are going to go to Katarina's Club. Log on to pastathon.com. Plus, you can drop off pasta and sauce donations at 45 alternate drop-off locations. You find it on the website. And then also at any Smart and Final store in California, Arizona, Nevada, just ask the cashier about that $10 donation for KFI's Pastathon for feeding Katarina's Clibs. Kids, I can't say that word. Clib? It's not pronounced. That's not pronounced. Clib, yeah, it was right? a long weekend. You're a little <sighs> rusty. You've had a lot of cranberry sauce. You donate right there at the register at those Smart and Final stores. The donation provides meals to 14 kids. A reminder: when we are out there, we will actually be auctioning off some items from our office. We and will not huh? like trash. I'm not talking about secondhand stuff, like the old uh, unicorn stuffed animal stuff. That's not what we're going to be doing. We have new things. That no one has ever worn before that we'll be auctioning off. That is true. That is true. We could also auction off some of the old unicorn stuffed nah, animals, too. Well, I suppose. I just Nobody wants a dead stuffed animal. All right. Uh, it looks like analytics providers are indicating a nice start to the holiday season when they go through Black Friday weekend sales. It starts us off for our weekly talk with Rebecca Jarvis. It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. Don't forget, you can also watch Rebecca's conversation with us from her end of it, because uh, she's up right now on Twitter, at Rebecca Jarvis, broadcasting live from the... Uh, I still love that. Whatever art thing that is on your wall back there, 
just looks like a bunch of cursive E's. It that I love that art. You know, and here's the best part of it, Gary. Hi, by the way. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Yes. We did. Thanks. So this was made, um, it's basically a canvas that we bought at Michael's for, um, I would say, about 30 bucks, And then we just took some um, a handful of markers and started drawing these circles. And there you have it. A work of art in my office. Wow. I thought you were going to tell me you like bought it at a gallery somewhere in the Upper East Side. That's so awesome. That's fantastic. Good. Good for you. Cheap gifts. Ideas from Rebecca Jarvis. Well, this was my friend Francesco's idea. So he gets credit for that, but he came in. He showed us how to do it. It's very DIY. I highly recommend if anyone is watching me right now on Twitter, take a look. And we'll do an entire segment in the future on how to do this. That's very cool. I love do-it-yourself art. All right, uh, let's talk about Black Friday. How did things go? Things went very well. I mean, the expectation was for a very big blowout Black Friday, and that's exactly what we essentially got, especially when you look at the online sales. Today is Cyber Monday. A lot of people are shopping online. In fact, Adobe Analytics, I heard Shannon mention this at the top of the hour, Adobe Analytics is forecasting that we're going to see a $7.8 billion day of purchases. That would be the biggest on record in a single day here in the United States. And overall, Coming into this, the expectations, like I said, they were high. The consumer is in a pretty good place right now. Jobs, the unemployment rate is low, wages are rising, gas prices are low, and all of those things work together to create a relatively merry picture when it comes to consumers and going out and shopping. Now, what's interesting is that the shopping is more and more happening online, and we knew this, but it's you are seeing more and more of that shopping is happening online. It's also happening from a smartphone. So um, I, I today, or actually it was Black Friday, was the first day of $2 billion in online sales from a smartphone, which is a big deal. So more and more of that shopping is also happening, not in front of a computer, but from the palm of your hand. This goes, I mean, you can't use the stock market necessarily as the greatest indicator for the strength of the economy. But last week, did not go as expected on Wall Street, where we saw it drop down several hundred points. Uh, We we erased basic uh, most of the gains that we had seen earlier. But then we come out on a Friday, uh, had a great day Friday, and it looks like we'll have a great Cyber Monday. Uh, Right. Do those two things jibe? I think it's possible to say yes, but I also agree that many times when you look at the market and you look at the real economy, first of all, these are not the same thing. And oftentimes when you look at the two, there feels like there's a big disconnect. Now, one of the things that really knocked the market around last week were retail stocks. And even though companies like Target came out with relatively strong earnings reports, if you think about them in a historical sense, the forward-looking view for retailers is what, uh, and for what a lot of companies, not just retailers, but a lot of companies, is what has Wall Street uh, a little more on edge recently. Now, today, uh, stocks ended up more than 350 points higher on the Dow. That was close to the highs of the session. But ultimately, um, what you saw out of shoppers over this weekend, what you heard from retailers last week was an overall positive sentiment. The question, and this is really the thing, the stock market is looking ahead. The stock market is saying what happens six months from now. And the question is, is this as good as it gets? Do things, what would be a catalyst? 
for something in 2019 as opposed to today in 2018 to really turbocharge the economy or turbocharge uh, a particular business. And while Cyber Monday and Black Friday and all of the retail sales were a really key thing to see how the consumer was feeling to sort of validate that the consumer was feeling good and willing to spend, the big questions on the horizon going forward are interest rates and tariffs, China, trade, those are the known knowns, at least, at this point. And, and those two things, um, you know, first of all, interest rates, we've got the interest rate decision coming up, very likely still going to see interest rates go up this year. The question is, what happens next year? And does the Federal Reserve indicate that, you know, maybe they'll take a little more of a pause next year? And then the question about China and trade, which doesn't have a resolution. There is no sense that there's some immediate resolution. And that, while, while it's not reaching some sort of magical tipping point where every business is saying, what's going to happen? This is a war. We're, we're so nervous. It's more of a long process. And the longer it goes, the more it costs businesses, like General Motors, for example, which they say um, came out today and said that the, the, the tariff costs uh, the steel tariff costs have cost them about a billion dollars already. The longer that goes on, the more that costs many businesses. We'll talk more about the GM stuff when we come back. Can you hang on for a second? Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. Rebecca Jarvis has joined us. We're talking more about uh, Market Mondays and things that we can do and look for and spend our yeah, money on. GM announcing a massive reconstructuring Probably going to close down some plants in North America. We'll get all the latest with Rebecca when we come back. We- Amy King. What? I'm We're sorry. Inventing words now. What did I say? Constructuring. No, re- <laughs> reconstructuring. Did I say that? Good lord. It's all right. It's been a long week. You rusty. Should, right. right? Yeah. Rusty. We're Could very rusty. Oh, Ophelia, you've been on my mind, girl, since the flood. Oh, Ophelia, heaven help a fool who falls in love. Gary and Shannon. Again, bottom of this hour, we're going to be taking calls. How bad did things get at your Thanksgiving? Or great. Maybe we, maybe you had some fantastic news. No, that we don't want to delivered. hear about that. I know. It's Come less entertaining. Now. But, you know, <laughs> it's possible. We'll do that at the uh, at the bottom of the hour. But right now we're talking to Rebecca Jarvis for Market Mondays, all about GM saying that it's going to halt production at a number of plants here and in Canada next year, cut thousands of jobs. Rebecca, what's the deal? So General Motors and Ford and a number of the other automakers are dealing with a number of factors that are taking place right now. First of all, you have a changing consumer, how the consumer thinks about buying cars. In a world of Uber and Lyft and crowded cities, a number of consumers are either delaying car purchases, not buying cars, maybe they're renting cars instead of owning cars. There is a massive used car supply. So that's number one, the changing face of the consumer and how are they approaching car ownership. Number two, sedans. They're not in vogue as much as they used to be, and therefore, there are types of cars that General Motors is saying 
are not as valuable to them to continue making, especially when you have uh, gasoline prices, which have been relatively low now for the last handful of years, and a record amount of oil coming on board here in the United States. We're now the biggest oil producer in the world. Gas prices just over this last holiday weekend are down about 20 cents from where they were uh, a month ago. So that's taking place. Plus, we talked about this before the break, you have the cost of tariffs, that billion-dollar cost of steel tariffs that has already hit the company. You can imagine that without a specific resolution in sight, they will continue to have to make um, they will continue to have to make payments essentially to that end and find ways to cut those costs. So that is sort of the perfect storm of events. And General Motors has made this decision now to cut more than 14,000 jobs and end operations. Well, cut jobs at a number of plants, effectively ending operations at a number of plants, even though that's not what they're saying explicitly today. That, in practice, is what will happen as they really, really cycle down the number of people employed in those places. Um, but, but I think this is not just in my opinion, this is not just a General Motors story. It's a General Motors story today, but in the bigger picture sense of things, it has to do with how many cars are automakers, U.S. automakers and international foreign automakers making, and how many cars is there an actual demand to purchase. And it really feels like, at least in this moment, the demand from consumers has really shifted and is less going forward than it would have been five years ago, 10 years ago. You mentioned that, the idea that we're shifting away from those traditional passenger cars, but it seemed like it wasn't that long ago where everyone was saying yep. that SUVs and crossovers were going to die out because gas prices were too high. And that is when, and and so, I, you know, I've covered now this, this world for more than a decade, and I remember back when gasoline prices were near their all-time highs, that was the moment. That was where people were saying, I can't have a gas guzzler. It's, it's costing me an insane amount, you know, $200 to fill up. Well, I guess we have somewhat of a short memory. We also, the people are making choices. If you think about where um, car ownership is the highest, it's in places where people are driving more, outside of major cities, where it, it in many cases would make more sense to have a larger car because of the type of work you're doing, because of what you're using that car for. And as a result of that, you're seeing that shift again. That's another part of the GM shift away from some of these sedans and towards, um, you know, not not that they're building or expanding in other areas, but that they're really focusing on some of what we would traditionally consider the gas guzzlers, the trucks, the SUVs. Again, we're now at a place where gas prices are relatively low. There are places in the country right now where you can buy gas for less than $2 a gallon. Wait, hold and on. What kind of fairy tale land I is know. that? Oh, <laughs> it's very hard to imagine in California or New York, for that matter. But, uh, like, I've seen it in Louisiana. I've seen it. In um, I've seen it in Ohio, Texas. There are a handful of places where it's not every gas station, but you can find it for below two dollars. I would not recommend driving to Texas from California <laughs> just to fill take up. Advantage. <laughs> Rebecca, what's going on with no limits? Okay, so I, I hope you're going to enjoy this, especially you, Shannon. Did you ever watch the Ricky Lake Show growing up? Yes, and I actually asked you the question, but I knew what was happening uh, because I was looking up your podcast to see who you had on, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I remember watching her when I was yeah. really young, and I remember she was really young when she did the, the yes. talk show, too. She was so 
young. She was in her early 20s when she started um, on, on her own talk show. And as soon as we found out she was available, I was like, let's talk to Ricky Lake because she kind of raised me over the summers. My parents were not on board with this. It's not like they said, go sit in front of the TV, right. uh, Becky, and hang out all day. But <laughs> I a lot of TV viewing in because I loved television growing up, still do. And Ricky Lake was a big part of that. So we have this whole conversation about her learning coming in so young and seeing this world from such a young age and what she saw then versus what she sees now. And we also talk about career pivots because she's not in her young, you know early 20s anymore. She's a mom. She's been through a lot in her life. So we talk about how she's managed that and sort of figured out her way. I think it's a fun conversation. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. And it's funny how those daytime talk shows did play a hand in raising us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of sad. There's so many shows my parents this one I don't think my parents explicitly said don't watch that one there are other shows that my parents explicitly said you know like married with children I wasn't allowed to right. watch it <laughs> and so, you know anyway that show awesome. is so depressing married with children <laughs> oh gosh all right Rebecca thank you so much appreciate Happy it Cyber Monday week guys thanks you too. Rebecca Jarvis there with the latest and again you can follow Rebecca at Rebecca Jarvis she has some uh, great insight into what's going on in the world of money and business etc all right, let me read one to you. This was actually from Reddit from a couple of years ago, but a Thanksgiving nightmare story. Ready? In the span of four hours, my mom went into labor, the turkey caught fire, the dishwasher flooded the entire kitchen, and the person making the stuffing didn't know you were supposed to cook the sausage before you put it into the stuffing, so we all ate raw meat. <laughs> It's really bad. Okay, we don't need your stories to be that bad. Maybe just some challenges that you faced over the weekend, whether it was house guests, some challenges, or family, uh, you know, sister-in-law, somebody, some mother-in-law, cousin, uh, the, the guy who, is, who just got out of the joint. This some... is your safe space. We're gonna let it all out. One eight hundred five two zero one five three four eight hundred five two zero one KFI. We want to hear your Thanksgiving nightmares. And I guess a good news one if you have one, but but mostly the nightmares. Gary and Jan. If you have a good story, we'll take it. Gary and Shannon. Paige wrote on Facebook one time about about Thanksgiving nightmares. Our whole family got into a screaming fight about the validity of the Twilight series, which somehow brought up every issue we ever had with one another. It ended with half of my family storming out on a mutual decision that we shouldn't spend that much time together Old anymore. things get brought up. <laughs> a resentment runs so deep. We are taking your calls. 1-800-5201-KFI. How it got weird for you this Thanksgiving. Um, I th- I think I was relatively. I had family in town the entire week. Just yes, just this morning, remnants. Um, the in laws, mother in law, father in law left, um, and that means this will be our first day back in our house without visitors since last Sunday. So it's been a long. But I think we got away pretty pretty scot free. There were no fires. Yeah. Nobody nobody got hurt. One eight hundred five two zero one five three four eight hundred five two zero one KFI. Tell us about. Your nightmares. Uh, Kelby is calling us. What's going on, Kelby? Hey, um, appreciate you guys letting me on. I just, uh, I feel for everybody because Thanksgiving is supposed to be a day where everybody uh, gets along and enjoys each other's company. And I invited my um, 
my wife, who we had been separated for 11 months, and the very reason for the separation ended up um, having an issue that night where uh, I was trying to talk to my daughter where she she had a little bit of an issue and she was um, feeling negativity towards her from a few of the people at the at the party. And it, re- it really did kind of happen, and I kind of feel bad for her about it. But when I went to go try to talk to her, my, my wife stepped in like um, she always did and and started talking to me about me in front of everybody no. and how I need and how I need to behave and it ultimately ended up in a bad situation and my daughter ended up with a little anxiety attack and it just ruined the day and so my daughter ended up saying family sucks i hate thanksgiving all those kinds of things and i just tried to tell her hey look this is what family is it's dysfunctional <laughs> yeah. this is what we got to endure we just got to hang out and just love on them and and forgive and just enjoy what uh, we've been blessed with. And How old is your daughter? She's a beautiful 17-year-old, extremely intelligent, straight A's. She goes to a private high school, so I'm super proud of her. But, um, you know, Thanksgiving is a tough holiday because you got all the quirky people in the world coming over <laughs> under one roof, and they, they're all talking politics. They're all talking all these things, and nobody really truly gets along. Uh, we uh, So are you done with holidays i mean you're not going to do this again or you burned out on <laughs> no it, or you no give it no another I, shot? I love i love thanksgiving i just you know you got to be careful of who you invite and uh <laughs> and you know what else when i was explaining this to a friend of mine he's all kelly you're focused on the wrong thing every time you let somebody in and let them see that they got you that's power he said, just focus on loving them back and take all their power away. That's good I'm advice. Actually, I'm going to actually try that in my life this year. So I don't think, you know, I'm under an attack. And even if I do, I'm just going to look at them and try to show grace and be loving towards them. And that way we can get through it with no no hiccups. Good attitude, Kelvin. Yeah, that's Thanks for calling. Smarter than a lot of people. That's... Smarter than you. I know. And your attitude. <laughs> yes. Uh, 1-800-520-1534. 800-520-1KFI. Oh, I just realized this. So I, I was in charge of the turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a big skin guy on the turkey. Like, I'll Why? take that stuff off. Oh, it's just, delicious. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just So when I carved it, I kind of you kind of peel back the, the skin on that breast and carve that breast into chunks and leave it on the platter. I actually took a piece of the, the skin off because I know there's some people who like it, and I kind of put it on the platter mm-hmm. so if anybody wanted it, they could have a chunk of it. I never saw who had it. Like, nobody had it on their plate, but it was gone when I went back into the kitchen. Well, so I'm assuming somebody— usually the first thing you, you eat. Yeah, somebody, somebody's eating, it like, it potato hot. chips or oh, something. Oh, yeah, sure. How high oh, can yeah, Fergus yeah. jump? Not that high. No, I don't think so. You've seen his legs? Come on. Uh, Jennifer is calling, talking about Thanksgiving. What's going on? Hi, Garen Shannon. How are you? Super. Uh, so I guess I uh, had Thanksgiving over at my house this year, and uh, my mom and dad, my kids' gr- uh, grandparents, decided to get high the night before and ate all the pumpkin pie that they were supposed to bring. I hate it when mom and dad get high and eat all of the pie. <laughs> Don't they know better? That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, my husband dropped the turkey. So that was a good well, wait, hold on a second. You buried that? Eight-second he... rule. <laughs> oh, we definitely ate it. <laughs> no way. So hold on a second. He dropped it where? Outside, inside? Uh, he, was, he was smoking it in the smoker, and he uh, took it out. Didn't realize how, you know, it wasn't. It came out, you know, perfect, but it just fell apart uh, and into the ground. So good thing turkeys the don't, they don't bruise like apples do. Jennifer, thank you for calling. Uh, Randy, what's going on? 
Oh, my God, you guys, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. So I get invited to my friend's house. We're doing a whole bunch of people. Everybody brings a dish. I made uh, green bean casserole. I've never made it. Oh, that sounds horrific. But go on. And tarragon carrots. So I go over there. We're supposed to eat at 4.30. Well, one of the girls who's bringing the mashed potatoes and the gravy, she's coming. Oh, she's on her way. 4.45, 4.45, 5 o'clock, 5.15, 5.30. I kept rehitting this stuff, you know? Yeah. So by around 6.30, my green bean casserole looked like green bean mush. Mm. Oh. Right, and the carrots and everything. I just looked at everybody, and I was like, Screw this. Right? I'm out of here. So I left, and they're all like, where is he going? I went home. I did a grilled cheese sandwich. That oh. sounds amazing. What kind of cheese? Yeah, that's I had Swiss. You know, and like when you boy, and everybody on my neighbor's eye could smell was turkey. Oh, that smelled so good. But I was boycotting it, and I said, you know what? Forget it. From now on, I'm going to stay at home, and I'm going to make my own turkey dinner. Randy, That's you are smart. the reason I woke up this morning. Thank you for the call. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a great one. Oh, you thanks, too. you too. Uh, 1-800-520-1534. We're telling Telling us, you are telling us about what happened with uh, Thanksgiving and how things went. Dave is calling. Hey, Dave. Hey, uh, love your guys' show. My, my wife and I can relate to a lot of the stories that are going on, but we talked and we wanted to avoid a lot of that and didn't know how. We came up with a new approach this year, and we took our three kids to SeaWorld all day last Thursday and had the time of our lives and didn't miss a thing. I bet it was it crowded. It, you know, I expected it to be um, a ghost town. It was not, but it wasn't overly crowded. It was way better. We got our rides within 10-minute waits. We, you know, plenty of rooms in all the stadiums for the shows. And the kids got to literally dance with the dolphins because one of my sons was in the show. So, Oh, my gosh, how cool. much fun. And uh, did you miss the turkey and the whole bit at all? Well, I didn't miss the turkey and the whole bit. I asked the kids because I was real concerned. I didn't want to have them miss out. We may have started a brand-new tradition because they loved it. It was the first time in two decades I did not watch the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. <laughs> that was the one hard part for me. But besides that, it was it was great. Well, Very cool. Yeah, that's very nice. Uh, okay, we're taking your – what happened for your Thanksgiving? Did things go crazy wrong or, like, Dave, did you start a new tradition? Yeah, we'll take heartwarming stories, too. You know, throw them in there. You don't sound very convincing. Pepper them in. Gary and Shannon will continue. 1-800-520-1534-800-520-1-KFI. We've got a doozy coming up. I know. I I can't wait. Gary and Shannon. We are taking your calls and airing a grievances following the Thanksgiving (laughs) holiday. 1-800-520-1534. One eight hundred five two zero one five three four. That's eight hundred five two zero one KFI. Steve is calling. Hey, Steve, what's up? Oh, just uh, enjoying the aftermath of uh, Thanksgiving. I was accused of touching my daughter-in-law's uh, butt during a group hug, and there were four little kids right around us, running around. <laughs> so what's the? How did that go down? Uh, was the accusation leveled immediately, or did it take some time? It took some time. Took a few days, but I've been ostracized. So did you touch the butt or not? I am quite sure I did not. Quite sure is not a hundred percent, Steve. <laughs> uh, you never know. But I, 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 I would have thought I would have. 
I would think I would uh, remember doing such a thing. I would hope so. <laughs> well, good luck next year. I mean, wherever you land, I hope it's uh, I hope it's a good spot. Uh, Christy is calling. Hey, Christy, what's going on? Hi. Um, this is actually last year, but I had to share. It's ridiculous. So my parents were hosting Thanksgiving and said, we'll take care of the turkey and the ham. Just bring the sides. I said, cool. So I got there a little early, and their turkey and ham was a slab of Costco lunch meat, like you put in a sandwich. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well. So I panicked, and I had to call my brother. They had to scope out a store that had a cooked turkey the day of Thanksgiving. I think they spent like 80 bucks at Whole Foods. And I told my parents, that's it, you're fired from Thanksgiving. Uh, well, you know, as as people get older, sometimes they go for the easy route. They just want to, want it to be a little bit easier. My, my mom brought a pecan pie that she bought at a store, which is fine. fine. I mean, it, and it was great. It, it was a really trick. good pie. Uh, Stephen is calling. Hey, Stephen. Hi. Well, about nine years ago, one of uh, my wife cooked dinner for all of our friends. And uh, beautiful dinner. She cooked it... Uh, Everything from scratch except for the gravy. And one of our friends that thought that they knew best complained about the gravy not being from scratch. Ever since we have got left town, just the two of us for uh, Thanksgiving. Good for you. What's wrong with people making complaints like that? You know. And it was a it was a fabulous dinner. I just have a. I don't know how I would react if someone had. I'd criticize. I'd slap the them in their face. Oh, Stephen, thank you, by the way. Well, for puppy that. slap. Uh, John is calling. Hey, John. Hello. Hi. Here's hey. my situation. I, I've been home five years now from overseas. And in those five years, I've never had my kids come up uh, for Thanksgiving because um, we live kind of a distance from each other here in LA. Uh, my fiance has her kids. She's never spent time with her kids, they've always gone to go see their dad. So I started thinking, you know what, it would be cool if I can surprise her by having her kids show up to see her for once. My kids come up, and my idea was I wanted to take tons of pictures, group pictures, Brady Bunch kind of pictures, the whole bit. Sure. Uh, preparing for the – when I finally told the fiancé about it, she started nagging and complaining that she didn't want to do anything. Uh... I convinced her that she doesn't have to worry about it. All she has to do is supervise, and everybody else will help. And she was nagging all the way down to the wire. Well, I was the one that was kind of excited about it because I thought it would be nice for her kids to be there for her and my kids showing up for pictures. Three days into getting ready for everything, I started getting sick. Right on Thanksgiving Day, I ended up laid out on the recliner, couldn't move. I, was, I turned into a zombie and ended up in the emergency room the next day. Oh my so gosh. did she host all the kids and everything? Um, I couldn't do anything. Everybody was there. Mm-hmm. I was I was pretty much like uh, uh, a weekend with Brian. Remember that weekend with Bill, Bernie, Bernie, much, <laughs> Bernie. There you go. Yeah. I was pretty much did that. you get into the right romaine out. lettuce? Is that's what I'm hearing from you? I did not eat oh. anything. <laughs> that's I did not bad. eat anything. Well, are you get my picture? Are you okay? What was the diagnosis? Um, I ended up with a walking pneumonia and some other kind of junk. Oh man. And yeah, and I was in really bad shape, and I was very disappointed. I didn't get my pictures, uh, spent all that money on food, didn't get to eat the food at all because they all tore it up. And, and, and of course, the fiancé ended up having a great time, and I ended up disappointed when I'm the one that wanted to really get uh, the well, That's still you, good that she had a good yeah, time with you everybody. You can still take some yeah. pride in that. That's great. Thanks for the call there. Lee is calling. Hey, Lee. 
Yeah. My my wife got confronted her son about stealing $200 out of her purse. Yeah. So he started calling her all kinds of names. So I go in the kitchen to tell him to stop calling her names. He picks up a kitchen ta- chair, throws it across the top of the table at me. I catch it in midair, sit mm-hmm. the, on the floor. Then he storms outside, grabs a, one of those religious candles that you see alongside the road there, and throws it at my car, smashes my hood and my windshield with it. Oh, my God. Was it lit? Was it? No. Lee, that is a bad day. That is a bad holiday. Yeah, and then I just called a AAA to find out what it's going to cost, a $250 deductible to, get, to fix my car. Can we send Lee a T-shirt? Do we have any? I think we might have one. Well, you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get them on the line then. Can we can we get them on the line? Yeah, I feel like we should send Lee something okay. for his trouble. Lee, thanks. Hang what on for one mess. second there, and then Marilyn, Marilyn, what's going on? My daughter's fiance broke off the wedding over Thanksgiving. Ah, he sucks. Yes. I think so. Ruined it for everybody, especially my daughter. That is terrible. Well, you know what? Good riddance to him. I'm glad that he's not going to be part of your family. Yeah, exactly. If he has no class to, little class to break off the wedding over Thanksgiving, then he doesn't need to be. Yeah, you don't need him around any longer. Don't need him around anymore. All right, Marilyn, thank you. The only reason I laugh is because I've done that. Oh, yours was a little different. Yes, it was. Probably, actually. We don't know her side. No, no, no. It was very different. There were different reasons. It wasn't just because I was an apple. No. But anyway. Well, she may have been entertaining the company of another gentleman, if I remember the story correctly. A gentleman caller had come a call. (laughs) I'm trying to find a sanitized way of saying that. Uh, John, how was your holiday? Uh, Pretty good. You had all your kids, right? Yeah, first time in six months we were all in the same place. Did everything go smoothly? Yeah, which I was shocked by. Yeah. But (laughs) there were no issues. Good. In fact, I started getting bored by (laughs) the second half. (laughs) Wait, nobody's fighting. What's going on? (laughs) Where's the sound of people yelling at each other? No, no, everything everything was fine. Oh, good. Yeah, excellent. What are you guys doing today? Uh, Well, a lot on the border stuff, Uh, you know, because uh, it's coming to a head. Yeah. This is the big showdown. So are you in favor or against uh, tear gassing babies? I don't know. What kind of mother brings themselves and brings their kids to a riot zone? The, the one thing I've seen is that uh, people keep saying that tear gas is illegal in warfare, which it is. But we as you know, civilian agencies haven't used tear gas, tear gas for decades. Yeah. It's all pepper gas stuff now. Yeah, but pepper spray about, usually. Yeah, because uh, I saw a story today during uh, Obama's time they used pepper spray on people. Right, when there was some big disturbance. Because that's so. how you deal with violence in a non-lethal way. That is how you. That's how See, you protect I yourself. I didn't know the difference between pepper spray and, and tear gas. That there was like some sort of hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. When tear it gas comes is to the a chemical thing. Pepper spray, pepper gas is is a. Uh, it's literally a vegetable based product from peppers. All right. There you go. (laughs) Organic. Yes. Yeah. You get it at Whole Foods, right? Exactly. It's organic. I think it's gluten-free. That's good. Gluten-free. Sure. Sugar-free, fat-free. Keep everybody safe. Yeah. All right. John and Ken Show coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Oh, that smelled so good. Oh, goodbye. Gary and Shannon.